Hello and welcome to yet another episode of Talking Bollocks with me, Howard Smith, your host. How did I forget the H? I really don't know. Yes, hello, it is me, your host, Howard H. Smith. Um, I do this, I do that, you're listening, let's move on. I cannot be asked to do it. Oh, I can't do it, I've got to do it, haven't I? I've got to do it. So, my name is Howard H. Smith. I am singer with Leeds... Uh, with, with Leeds? I'm the lead singer with uh, with Acid Rain. Uh, you can find us at acidrain.co.uk, at acidrainukac on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook. You can find my com- comedy character, keithplatt.co.uk, because I do stand-up as well. You're sick of hearing this. If you're a regular, I apologise. If this is the first time you've listened, ooh, aren't I a busy boy? And also, I'm doing this podcast that you're listening to now, In Your Ears. In your ears. And I just want to say, please subscribe. Find us wherever we are. If you go on YouTube, if you watch this on YouTube, if you listen to this on YouTube, um, might, I might even make a few pence um, out of it, which would be nice because I'm still unemployed. Hey! Um, so, um, hello. Yes, um, I am still uh, I am still unemployed. I am still, uh, inverted commas, resting. Um, I'm quite enjoying it. Um, although I'm, I've got to admit, I've got. I'm, I'm really get, I get. I mean, I am starting to get itchy feet now. I want to be. I want to be out. I want to be doing stuff. Um, got a few balls in the air at the moment, um, and, and we'll see what comes of it. But anybody listening to this, um, if you need a loudmouth, humorous twat um, for anything, um, hit me up. Uh, you can find me on. You can find me on uh, on Twitter at Talking Bollocks. Um, or you can just go on Facebook, message the page, whatever. And yeah, if you need a um, if you need a loudmouth, um, uh, humorous twat for any reason, then uh, just uh, just hit me up and um, and tell me what you're willing to pay me, <laughs> because uh, I will work for food. Um, so anyway. Um, it's lovely for you to be here. It's lovely for me to be here. Um, I can't believe the other day. I can't believe I've been doing this as long as I have. You know, this is you know over the three years, a load of episodes. It's um, I don't even know how many episodes. I'm, I don't know. I don't really. I don't really keep count. Obviously. Um, so I didn't think I'd be starting um, another podcast with another suicide of another singer. Um, don't get your hopes up. Not thinking about it myself. Um, but yeah, a Chester Bennington. Um, wow. Now I really didn't realise how many Linkin Park fans were out there, and I didn't realise how many of my friends were Linkin Park fans until Chester died. Um, and and then people who, who failed to mention that they owned Hybrid Theory, um, you know, failed to mention that um, uh, they were fans of Linkin Park until now. But um, that's obviously that's. Uh, you know that's a, a an aside it's it's very very sad it's very very sad six kids oh i don't know you know um all i can say is look I'm, I, i've been completely honest with you guys before um i've had my issues with depression and you know when um when i sat down and spoke to um howard jones we ended up talking about nothing but um and all i can say is um it it's tough it really is tough and unless you've suffered from it you know i know, I know people would say oh six kids more oh, selfish man it's like unless you've suffered from depression, depression, depression. Unless you've suffered from it, unless you have really been at a point where ending your life is a is an option that you genuinely throw into the mix on a routine basis. Um, unless you've been, I can't even call it that low. It's not low. It's beyond low. Um, unless you've ever suffered from that, you cannot understand. 
you know d- don't judge people um by their actions um uh it's it, and by that i mean you know don't don't judge people who've committed that committed suicide by as, as being selfish or anything like that i don't know look, look, you do you do what you want i'm just saying that unless you've walked in those shoes then you've got no idea how bleak things can be and um and it, it and that's the exact word bleak um just count yourself lucky if you've got no way of comprehending it if you've got no way of understanding then count yourself lucky because you've obviously never been in that situation or had that experience and and believe me you wouldn't want to so um what else has been happening um well um uh, Nickelback and um, uh, Corey Taylor continue to bite chunks out of each other, which is quite amusing. Um, <laughs> I liked the quote: um, "Nickelback is is to rock what KFC is to chicken," <laughs> which which I, I thought actually ended up being a bit of a backhanded compliment from Corey Taylor. To be honest, I'm I'm a I'm, I do like I do like my KFC, um, but yeah, that's that's all just kind of got out of hand. Um, and then, um, and then, uh, around the same time, I saw a brilliant quote from uh, uh, Jacoby Shaddix, or Jacoby Shaddix, however he's pronouncing his uh, his name. And um, and this this was this is brilliant, right? This is his explanation for why his band um, got lumped into new metal and all that. Papa Roach got lumped into the uh, in the late nineties, um, got such a bad rap from fans and critics alike. Shaddix says a lot of people didn't like Limp Biscuit uh, frontman Fred Durst really and truly. That was real bad, and everybody was, "Do you want him to hate me?" And so he was kind of the poster boy for the genre. So if people wanted to take pot shots at it, it was easy, uh, right? So basically, what he was claiming, and this is, you know, he's cl- basically claiming that they were getting, they got slated because. Um, everybody hated Fred Durst and Link Biscuit. Um, now, I mean, if you want to live by, if you want to live on that delusion, if you want to pretend that people are slagging your band off and your songs off because of another band in the genre, that's 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 you know that's a certain level of self delusion which I find quite impressive, to be honest. You know, I mean, even Dave Mustaine, who, yes, Dave again, but even Dave Mustaine didn't come out with like, you know, oh, yeah, everybody's hating on Super Collider. But that's because um, uh, Reload was shit by Metallica. You know, I was just, oh, that's because, you know, nobody that's that, that's because nobody likes Gene Simmons. I mean, it's just it's the fucking lamest excuse ever. It really is. I mean, where, how the fuck you 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 have that journey in your head is absolutely beyond me. Um, but uh, anyway, well, I, I mentioned him then. That was that was unplanned. But uh, uh, um, Mustaine, Mustaine, bless, right? Um, he's he, Mustaine says he's sure that he is going to end up in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Okay, Dave. Well, I'm sure you're not. Because basically, as I've said before, Megadeth, you know, good band, but it's not going to get you in the Hall of Fame. It's really, I, I, I don't know. I, it's, right, and it, it, I've got a quote from him. It says, um, 
Um, here we go. As crazy as I am, I was thinking about the Grammy the other day and how it was given to Megadeth, he said. I was thinking it would surely be a lot better if it was given to Dave Mustaine and not to Megadeth. I guess you've got to keep the fire burning. I mean... Dave really does offer some... I mean, I, he also um, decided to rank all of the guitarists that have been in Megadeth in uh, in order and put that on social media. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Dave, for answering a question nobody answered. I mean, it's just it's just disrespectful, isn't it? It's just it's just disrespectful to most of the guitarists on the list. And and did it really need to be done? I I just I just think you know. Somebody needs to take Dave's phone out of his hand because if, if if you let him, he just starts tweeting and talking shit. And as for that, it would have been better if the Grammy had been given to Dave Mustaine and not Megadeth. I mean, oh, brilliant. We, you, you've managed to disrespect all the guitarists you've ever played with the other day. Oh, now you're just disrespecting everybody that you've ever played with. You're disrespecting everybody that you're in the band with now. It's It's just unbelievable. Unbelievable. And this guy is a Christian, apparently. You know, I, I, I genuinely don't understand what goes on in that guy's fucking head. I really don't. Um, anyway, moving on. Um, Steve Grimmett, footage of uh, Steve Grimmett um, uh, on stage. Very, very moving. Um, he's He's got a prosthetic leg. He is... He, it's just incredible. I mean, every time. I mean, I welled up when I saw the um, when I saw the footage. It was it, it was absolutely superb. It really was. Um, and and yeah, please do all check it out. Um, it's just great to see him up and about. Um, uh, Carl Carl Volterbach from Noise Records has got back to me and said um, he's he's got a very very busy period at the moment. Um, so hopefully, I am still on to interview Carl later in the year. Excuse me, just having a drink. Um, so yeah, I'm um, uh, I'm hopefully um, going to be interviewing him later in the year, um, and I do hope that happens because um, yeah, he's, it's it's going to be fascinating. Um, and now on to two things that um, that really um, are the biggest biggest news in the world of metal ever, and that is the return of former Saxon drummer Thunderstick. <laughs> yep, that's right. If you, like everybody else, had not been wondering what had happened to Thunderstick, well, let me fill you in. Yeah, um, he's coming back. He's coming back with a band, um, complete with uh, dodgy uh, kendo mask. I mean, it, it, this shit writes itself. It really does. I cannot believe. I cannot believe that. Um, I cannot believe that Thunderstick is making a comeback. But hey, look, I'm... Why should I? You know, I'm 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 preempting. It's going to be rubbish. So I'm, I may end up with egg on my face, but for somehow I don't think so. Mm. <laughs> and um, and uh, yeah, uh, almost as exciting as a new Living Color album coming out later in the year. Um, so is um, a new darkness album? Yeah, a new dark. <laughs> fucking pathetic! Absolutely fucking pathetic! Didn't even know they were still going. A new the darkness album. 
again, it's, you know, the answer to a question nobody asked. Oh, I wonder what the darkness are up to. Who gives a fuck? Hopefully, they've all split up and they've uh, they're op- they're, they've opened individual uh, sex shops or they've decided to become painters and decorators. Whatever it is, I hope it's keeping them away from musical instruments and away from rehearsal rooms. Please, for fuck's sake. Seriously. I, I cannot believe that band still has a career, but it does, and I'm sure there's plenty of people out there going, can't believe you've still got a career. Well, I haven't, actually, so I'm unemployed at the moment, so fuck you for bringing it up, hey? That's really bad. That's, that is kicking a man when he's down. I'm unemployed. <laughs> it's all about me. Yeah, fucking hell. <laughs> leave me alone. Um... um as I'm recording this, uh, we're two days from the release of a new Prong album, so I'm very, very excited about that. Um, but, you know, what can I say? Uh, it, well, nothing. It's out in two days. I haven't got an advanced copy because I'm not important enough. Um, and, uh, well, yeah, I'll, I'll find out along with the rest of you what it's like, but I'm, I am well up for that. Um, I watched a documentary um, on um, the uh, the riff on the BBC. And... Um, and I was thinking, this is really kind of it's really heavy metal light. There's, there's, it's really not. And then, then there was this section where it went, and and it showed like bits of hair metal and saying like you know you know riffs weren't all that serious. And I was thinking, right, okay, yeah, but there's thrash. Thrash is built on riffs. Come on, come on, come on. And then they said, but that all changed in 1991. And I was thinking, 91, the Black Album was 90. You know, I'm thinking, you know, the riff that took over from uh, Smoke on the Water in guitar shops across the world. Um, I thought, right, oh no, no, completely bypassed thrash metal. No, the riff they were talking about was Smells Like Teen Spirit. Yeah, that's right. Completely and utterly a program on the riff, completely and utterly ignored thrash and its impact in the late 80s early 90s just nothing absolutely fucking nothing i could not believe it i mean oh god they said like so basically what they said was nirvana i remember this in 1991 nirvana saved the riff they saved the riff really i i, I just lost for words lost for fucking words um now, um, uh, something that is rather sad um, is is what's happened to Adrenaline Mob. Um, obviously, AJ Perro was playing drums for them, um, and he was found dead in his bunk. And um, and they've just suffered a horrendous bus bus crash. The the bass player died. Um, the their tour manager has got seventy percent burns across her body. Um, I mean, it's. It's absolutely horrendous, and it there just doesn't seem to be getting much coverage. Um, I mean, that is understandable to a certain extent with what's happened with you know with with, with Chester Bennington and, and Chris Cornell recently. But adrenaline, adrenaline mob. As as much as I'm not a fan, um, nobody deserves that. It's absolutely terrible. Now, I, I do. I think there is a GoFundMe page to help the band. And if I was a decent human being, I would have looked it up, but I don't. So I will, I will look that up and try and give you the info, or I will try and look that up and find it and give you the information, um, and just help a band out. I mean that it, it's it's heartbreaking what has happened to that band. It really is. Um, and and like I said, there just seems to be there just seems to be very little coverage. They just seem to have kind of got got lost a little bit, um, a little bit the way that. Um, 
um, Mother Teresa's death got a little bit sort of forgotten about because it was around the same time as um, Princess Diana. Um, so I, I, I don't know how I've managed to make that fucking leap. <laughs> so that basically make that make that make adrenaline that makes adrenaline mob um, uh, uh, Mother Teresa. And that makes Chester Bennington um, Princess Diana. So, um, nice one, Howard, you knob. That's a, that just doesn't fucking work at all. Um, and, oh, what else has been going on? Zentrix are back. That's right. Um, my buddies, Zentrix are back. Um, I mean, I knew what had happened way back. Um, I'm not going to go into it because it's, it's not my business. But, um, yeah, anyway... Um, we, I knew at the time that, um, and, and they did as well that it was going to be their last gig with with Chris um, on our tour in 2015, and they've just been trying to find somebody to replace him ever since. So, um, yeah, we haven't been, you know, I've obviously haven't said anything. I've had plenty of questions on the Acid Rain page. Hello, Acid Rain page about what Zentrix are doing. Uh, well, if they're not publicising it, what makes you think we're going to? Fucking knobs. Um, but there you go. Oh, and, and look, I, I might have said this before, and I just wanted to get it off my chest. I am grateful for every single fan of anything I do. Don't think I'm not. I really am. I'm massively grateful. But, you know, that doesn't mean that I want to be a Facebook friend with you. The, just the volume of, uh, of friend requests that I get from people who I've got no fucking idea who they are. You know, it's called Friends. Yeah, I mean, I I know, maybe maybe I'm maybe I've completely, uh, completely lost what Facebook's all about. But you know, excuse me, it's for friends. If you want, if you want to, you know, I'm, I'm on Twitter and get me through the acid rain page and all the rest of it. What the fuck? Why do why do you need to be friends with me on Facebook? I don't fucking know who you are. I mean, if you like if you like them, you know, like, like the music of it, that's wonderful. But that doesn't mean we're friends, does it? It just simply doesn't. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of tons of music. I'm not friending everybody in the bands on Facebook all the time just because I like their music. What the fuck? And there is an option there to just follow me. So fucking follow. I, I, I don't, I'm probably coming across like a real fucking egotistical asshole right now. But it just, it just always bugs me. And I mean, you know, as I'm sure it would any of you, any of you listening to this, when you get friends requests from face on Facebook from people you don't know, you just think, what? Fuck off, you weirdo. I don't know. Oh, oh, we've got ten friends in common. Yes, we've got them in common, but I don't fucking know you. I don't know who you are. You might be an absolute dick-steaming knob. I don't want anything to do with you. Go and fucking friend Keith Platt. He doesn't give a fucking shit. He'll allow anybody. But me, I'm just I'm a little bit choosy. I need to have actually fucking met you. And I'm sure people listening to this, I'm sure... You're going to be thinking, yeah, I'm exactly the same. I don't, I, you know, just because you've got friends in common, that's no other reason. That's like, you know, if you invite people to a party, if you're having a party, you invite your friends. You don't invite your friends and go, oh yeah, and just fucking bring anyone you know as well. Yeah, fuck it, why not? Why? Because your fucking house gets trashed, that's why. Now, the, the equivalent is you get loads of people on Facebook and all of a sudden you go on your Facebook timeline or, uh, one day and there's just loads of either far-right bullshit or constant pictures of fucking children. Here's a rule. If there is a picture, if your profile picture is not of you or if it's of you with somebody else, I'm 
definitely not fucking friend, allowing you to be friends. Cannot fucking stand it when people are in a couple and they have to have the two of them and their happiness grinning out at you from their fucking profile page. I know somebody who doesn't even have... The, the couple use the, the same Facebook page themselves. So you never know who's commenting on stuff you've put up and you never know who's liking it. It might be her. It might be him. I don't fucking know. And I just fucking hate that. That fucking... You know, that's that, just that, the, the couple, they've got their cheeks next to each other, rubbing cheeks next to each other. Oh, look at us, we're so perfect, we're so happy. Look at us with our fucking perfect, beautiful, happy lives. Oh, we're so fucking perfect, we are. Oh, look, here's a picture of a fucking picnic we went on, and it was beautiful. This is us kissing, this is us at the beach, this is us putting, this is us going shopping, this is us having a shit, this is us ha- making dinner. This is, Oh, and then they have a kid. Oh, fuck me, it's game over. They've had a fucking child. You are getting bombarded. Oh, little Georgie fell over this morning. Did he? Down a well? No? Well, I'm not interested then. Oh, look, little Georgie. Oh, I'm so proud of my boy. He's managed to have a shit. Honestly. Oh, I'm so... People, parents on Facebook saying, oh, I'm so proud of my, I'm so proud of my child. I'm so, he's 12 today. I'm so proud. Really, well done. Well, congratulations on not dying. Congratulations on making it to 12 without being arrested or thrown. I mean, what the fuck? And this whole idea, parents are your mates. Oh yeah, oh my, my kids are my mates. Well, you'll get a surprise, won't you? When in their later teen years, they're brought home in a police van. Why? Because you decided to be their mate, not their parent. You decided, because you made that choice, because you made that decision, you altered the relationship between the two of you. So there's now a lack of respect. There's now, you can't be some, you can't be their mate one minute and discipline them the next. It's like being a manager in an office. It's like being, you've got to maintain a healthy distance. If you are going to be in charge of somebody, which you fucking are if you're a parent, you need to remain in charge. You need to have that professional distance or that personal distance. Raising a child is no different to raising a fucking dog, right? You give it boundaries. You give it boundaries, you let it know what's right, what's wrong. Because if you don't, you're going to end up with shit all over your house and everything chewed up and spat on. (laughs) I don't know where... Yeah, I do know where some of that came from. I know where all that fucking came from, actually. But I'm not sharing that, that's for sure. That's just a little too personal. I've already let you all in on way more than you care to know about me. So, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? That was all just heavy metal news and up and down, and then all of a sudden, I've nearly had an aneurysm on you. Okay. All right, so um, let's get into the first interview. This is a very cool interview. came about very quickly, and I was over the moon to get it. I did it yesterday. In fact, I did it about 24 hours exactly ago, so you're getting this fresh off the press. Um, and this is me and Phil Rind at the Camden Underworld having a chat yesterday afternoon. Um, okay, right. Well, here I am. Um, I'm in the Underworld with um, the, the the legendary um, Phil Rind. Oh, Sacred <laughs> Um, now you might hear some clattering while we're while we're talking. That's purely Phil is setting up the um, the merch for tonight, which we've both already established is just about the most important part of any gig. Well, the um, thing is too is we're doing a deal which is uh, yeah, you make everybody a VIP. Everyone's a VIP. Deal, I love so, that. Yeah. I love that. I was like, say tongue in cheek, 
Sly dig all these bands charging well, a, a lot of money for, for well, VIPs, or is it I, just purely... I don't know if it's a dig, because people are entitled to do whatever the fuck they want. True. Right? Yeah. And my deal is, like, I just... I don't feel right. I, I don't... People, what people do is their business. I know it's tough as a band yeah. to, to do it and make money, and if you have mouths to feed. And, like, if you're, if you're getting by... And you get ten VIPs. You pay a hundred bucks. It's a thousand bucks. You do twenty shows. It's twenty grand. It's a difference yeah. between maybe coming home with money and not coming home with money. Yeah. So I get it. I don't. I don't begrudge people for doing it. That that's their business. Yeah. But for me, like, I don't like the idea of paying for access. Yeah. Because like politically, this is what's gotten us in trouble, right? Yeah. That uh, people pay for access to to lawmakers. And in turn, get the laws that, that are you know beneficial to them. Absolutely. So yeah. I, I don't think it's uh, for, for us. It's not something I'm interested in doing. But um, well, the uh, thing is, as well, is that is yeah, you you'll be very much like like ourselves, which is you're gonna you know yes, you're gonna be in the dressing room for some part of the evening, but you're also gonna be milling around the venue anyway. Yeah, you know, the dressing room area is the kind of place we play. You're going to be quite small. You. You're rammed in. Right. You're going to want to go like have a little mingle and stuff like that. You can't do that if you just played a load of people. If you just charged <laughs> a load of people, do you know what I mean? Well, it's like I don't. I think people who charge a bunch of people aren't hanging out. Yeah. But that's what I mean by at, at, at this level. It's kind of like well, you know. Last tour, I've never sold merch before. Last tour, I began. Oh shit! Uh, last tour, I started selling merchandise. Yeah. And it was cool because, in one hand, it, it's it's a bit of work, obviously, but um, it was nice because if you're used to sitting in the back, like you said, it's this it's just kind of boring. Yeah. So it got me out, got me doing stuff. We got to hang out with the people and say hey to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, you know, me and Jason are already out here. Yeah. Uh, let's get the other two guys out here. We can sign stuff. We can take pictures. We can hang out with the people. Um, you know, we're celebrating 30 years of our first record, and the only reason why we're able to do it is because the people come, yeah. and we should say thank you. Yeah. So that's what. And like, I don't want to, I don't want to talk shit about other bands that want to do it. That's yeah, their business. Yeah. Except like bands like Metallica and other bands like that, which I don't understand because they don't need the money. But yeah. But the other side is, I don't know, are they donating that money to charity? They could be. True, true. And we might not know because I don't think they're going to go out of their way to tell. You know, they're not sitting around bragging about what they're doing. Well, like I, that kind of deal, I go, hmm. I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you a story off air um, about a certain somebody within our industry who does incredible charity stuff, which no one knows about. And, and he purposely says to management, you cannot publicize this. Right. And well, Prince, totally under the radar. Prince did all that, right? Prince, they said... Prince paid for solar panels all over Oakland on people's houses and didn't say anything because as uh, he was like Jehovah's Witness. Right. And they can't talk about it. Right, okay. He yeah, did yeah. tons and tons and tons of charity. So cool, man. I think uh, we're going to need some, like, this. See that? Right, so that's, the that's, that's the sound of the merch framework going up, folks. Um, I know, I, you've been real steadfast in... Um, We're doing a podcast, by the way. Just so, We're doing yeah. a podcast, just so you know. You don't have to be quiet. I mean, no, Join in any time you like, man. <laughs> I'm stoned. I got nothing to say. <laughs> 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 
I just sound stupid. <laughs> well, that's better than that's better than not being so. It's sounds, very honest. Um, but uh, yeah, you've been real steadfast in in not making new material. Which, yes. Which I'm. I, 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 as we spoke before we started this, I'm, I'm kind of have to because it's a, it's essentially a new band, right? Um, and so we had to put I had to put new material out straight away to prove that these guys were like you know, legit, exactly. Yes. And of course, but there's also that you know what there's that there's that feeling that you know that whatever we bring out that's new, it's it's never going to have the pull of the old stuff, right? Because. Your, your own stuff is, is what is what people's memories are tied to, Of course. To, isn't it? Yes, let's slide it up again. The thing is, just like to do this. Gotcha. Um, that's the stuff that people remember when it made an impact on them when they were 16, 17, 18 years yeah. old. And it's like getting in a time machine. Yeah, and that's, and that's what they want. They want to, I mean, you know, that's, that's why people come up to you and say, oh, thanks for making me feel like a senior. Right, again. You know, and the thing is this, is like, I always, I remember going to see uh, it was Heaven and Hell, Heaven and Hell, Black right. Sabbath with Dio, right? Yeah. And they opened up with Dehumanizer, and I was like, "What? I don't even know the song." Like, I don't. I want to hear Neon Knights. I want to hear that. Yeah. So I totally get that. Um, there's other bands that have been, you know, from the same era that have been making records the whole time and they're still yeah. putting out new material. And whether or not it stands up to old material is other people's business and the fans' business. Um, now we've been talking about doing new stuff, mm. and maybe we will. Well, and oh, if right, we right. and if we have new stuff that we like, we'll do it. Uh, there was a big thing of like, here's the here's the the hardware, but I think we need some screwdrivers and stuff. Skid or Matt or Michael may have something. I brought a multi tool. I'm just trying to figure out okay. where it is. But the thing is, is like, I remember because I think about stuff too much. Thinking, what do we sound like now? Yeah. Right. What What do we sound like? Do we sound like Black Sabbath now? Do we sound like Ignorance? Do we sound like our last record heel? What does it sound like? Yeah. And I remember giving a lot of thought. And I have a friend who's a movie director guy. And he said, you know what? Don't think about it. Just do it and put it out. And don't worry about it. He goes, yeah. no one cares. Because I was driving to my uh, premiere, my movie premiere. And I'm driving by restaurants and people are eating dinner and people are doing laundry and people are going to the grocery store. But to I'm going to my career mirror. It's a big deal to me. Yeah. He goes, but no one cares. <laughs> you do your thing, put it out, and yeah. go on to the next thing. Yeah. And I was like, perfect. Well, also, the thing is, is, is as, as I was reminded when we brought a, a first single out in 2015, it is that the minute it's released, it's not yours anyway. Right. You know, so right. it's like you can think you've done the best thing ever, and it'll come out and people will hate it. Well, or you can think it's a piece of shit, and it'll come out and people will love it. Well, the weird yeah. thing is, like, we've never released a record when the internet was happening, <laughs> right, so we'll yeah, know yeah. what people think. But it'll be interesting too because I don't mind the feedback. Like Borvoy at Blabbermouth, yeah. he posted something, and it was like I did a podcast with Danko Jones, and it was like. Sacred Reich, not opposed to doing music, new music. Yeah. So some people's comments were, and I'm not opposed to buying some new music, <laughs> which is awesome. And then there yeah, was a, yeah. man, everyone's fat, you know, those comments. Yeah, right, yeah, those comments. But, yeah. like, that's, that's uh, you know, 2017, and, like, oh, I'm fat. What, what do you say? <laughs> like, I, I can't argue with people. And I don't yeah, I'm scared. Jason's lost weight. But, but like, I don't, yeah. I don't give two shits. <laughs> I never, I never did. 
Yeah. Like you make a record you want people to like it, but whether they do like it or whether they don't like it, it doesn't change how you feel about the stuff that you put out in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. You absolutely. do what you do for you and people are like, you haven't put out new music, there's an audience. I go, how do you know there's an audience? You yeah. don't know. Yeah. I go, and guess what, when we made our first record, no one knew who the fuck we were. Yeah. And it didn't matter to us then. We had to do it. That's why you should put out a record. Yeah, because you have to. Because you have songs yeah. and you want to put it out. Yeah. And people are like, make a thrash, you know, make the thrash record. Of, I'm like, you're going to be disappointed. Yeah. It is not going to sound like that. But what I'm saying is, we haven't made that record since ignorance. Yeah. I mean, really. Yeah, no, no, not at all. No. So if people are thinking that's going to happen, they're going to be disappointed. Yeah. But, yeah. like, that's not our problem. No, absolutely. Other absolutely, people's expectations yeah. are their deal. Yeah, well, you know, that, that's the internet, isn't it? You know, well, like, well, that's just life, right? Yeah. People, this is our deal, right? We have an idea of how the way the world should be, and when it doesn't match what we think it should be, we get upset. So if people go, a new Sacred Reich record, and they go into it thinking whatever it is that they're thinking it's going to sound like, and it doesn't sound like that, they're going to be like, yeah. oh. Yeah. And that's okay. Well, like you said about, the, like you said about the, the, those, <laughs> those comments, where you get those comments from people where they're saying like, Oh, you know, you know, there's a, there's a market out there, and you should do this, and you should do. That. And it's like, dude, why don't you just get to the point? You want us to put you out now because you want right. you say goodbye. Don't try and convince us about all these no. fucking great like, reasons for doing it. And you're, you, in, you and, you're and you're entitled to your opinion. Yeah, absolutely. But, but it's like you don't know. There's a market. Like you, you and your friends and fans' opinion is skewed. Because they like the band, of course they're going to think that. Yeah. You meet people and they think you're much bigger than your band actually is. Because they love you and it means a lot to them. Yeah. But there's a big world out there that can give two fucking shits. There's, a, there's also there's, there's those mega fans as well where you, you do start thinking, do you know what? A new Sacred Right album means more to them than it does, than it does uh, to us. Do you know, you, they, these yeah. people are going like, you know, they're, they're, they're bugging you. And I mean, I, I've got a, a, talking about how the internet works. I had a guy saying um, on, a, on the Acerbrand Facebook page, and he was going, he was going, oh yeah, well I'm really looking forward to the new Sacred Reich album. This was about two, three years ago, and I was like, well, good luck with that. There's, there isn't one, and and then he triumphantly posts a link to a YouTube interview with you at a festival in Holland, saying um, uh, Phil Ryan talks about new Sacred Reich album. Oh yeah, so I watched there, the interview. There, there is not one. Yeah, yeah yes. exactly. He, he just couldn't even be bothered to. Watch the fucking you clip. Ahead. Well, this is this is 2017. Like you call yourself a fan. I was like, "Have you watched the clip?" And he was like, "No." It's like, yeah, there's, there's this, nothing coming. Yes, people. Yeah. It's clickbait, or people see yeah. something. And oh, wait till wait till you see. I come up with the title for this. <laughs> Phil Phil Ren speaks about the future of Sacred Right. Yeah, like, yeah. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I'll, yeah, I'll create some clickbait. I like to hear I'll, this. Uh, <laughs> oh, you're in it. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's I just don't ask too many questions. But uh, so, how long? How long are you out on the road for on, uh, on this on this trip? This tour is about a month, right? And then we go back and we do three weeks in the U.S. Right, okay, for the first so time in 21 years. I was going to say that's a that's a real chunk because normally it's just been sort of one-off festivals. Or yeah, we well um, we've been touring like two weeks, ten days, two weeks. Yes. Last year we did three weeks. This year it's four weeks, and then three weeks in the U.S. It'll be interesting. And how's how's that how's that like logistically at home with like jobs and stuff like that? Yeah. Wow, that's pretty understanding. 
Um, yeah, we're, we're lucky that we're mostly unemployed, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Unemployable. You know, one that does uh, is employed can. Yeah, Wiley, had, Wiley owns a couple restaurants, so he's right. finagled the time off because he's the right. fucking boss. He should be. Able yeah, to yeah, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. What's the point in being the boss if you can't, you know, sort it out and go on tour? What do you think, Jr.? I, to my recollection, this is probably what they meant. Do we need to tighten it down? Yeah, yeah. I'm just getting it it's all finger tight, but now I gotta just tighten. I love when things are finger tight. It's looking good, man. It's looking good. Don't take more ways. So, um, as regards your um, uh, the, the, yeah, the, the future, obviously you've got you've got this tour, yeah, and it's all based around. Are you, are you playing? Are you playing the whole album? No. Good. No. Good. Not that I don't like the album, but I, I don't. I don't like. There's it, so. there's songs that I don't like on the record. I don't want to play, so we're not going to play. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's pretty ignorance because everyone's asking, "Are you playing ignorance in its entirety?" And I was like, "No, no. that would be- yeah." That'd be terrible. That'd be awful. Well, the thing is, as well, is that like you know, yeah, because you, you you know you wrote that as you, when you were young kids, and it's like you know, you you know your you songwriting, yeah, like, your progresses, and everything. I don't else. ever want to play Sacred Reich ever again. I don't. I don't want to play. I don't want to ever play No Believers ever again. Ever. I don't feel like that. Yeah. And the thing is, it's like. No, you, you can't you can't put it you can't do those songs and put it across like you're enjoying it you know it's worth it's like it's like um, people can be um, hey Paula we're doing actually a podcast I'm just gonna let you know it's okay I'm just letting you know so it doesn't keep going on that's all and or or that you should say something that you that you shouldn't it's okay yeah, yeah. it's okay don't worry about it um, I just want to let you know so so you know because <laughs> you didn't know so now you know yeah. no problem that's Paula Wiley's wife and hello Paula Wiley's wife I'm really wife. Talk to no, just kidding <laughs> <laughs> see you later um, so yeah it, it, it's I mean even when you're even when you're like you know you're putting like back in the day when you're putting albums out back to back you start not liking songs off previous stuff or, yeah you know, I mean you know, it's, it's mostly like, that it's like, record it's like oh we've got enough songs great we can drop this it's like it's mostly that record yeah. I, I, do you can you think of songs off like any other record that you don't want to play like I said like I don't want to play No Believers I don't want to play Sacred Right I don't want to play Sacred Right right but can you think of any songs off any other records that you really don't want to play I don't think we should play Ask Ed. I don't think we should no, but, play but, 31 Flavors. No, 31 Flavors. 31 Flavors. But, that, that goes without saying. But Ask Ed would be kind of cool. Like, I don't want to not play it, but it's not something we will play, but I refuse to play No Believers. No Believers doesn't bother me. I only like the intro to that song really anyway. <laughs> like, musically. Oh, so, you can, so you can play the intro to you and then go into something else. We, we, talked about, we talked about playing like the intro to that and rest in peace because we like the intros. Yeah. But yeah, I don't yeah, like medleys. Is an intro record. None of our other al- albums have intros like that. Every yeah. song on that record, almost we have every a good song has got an intro. Intros. I think, yeah, that's it. Though, though you play the intro, and it's like you, you give the, the crowd, you just giving them the tip, yeah. <laughs> and, and then you take that away and do something else with a tip band. <laughs> so, actually, uh, hey, do you want to you want to see if you can find a? Yeah, I gotta see if this two seconds. Okay, he's the but. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. So it's, it's, it's just those songs. That's cool. I'm yeah, it's, it's, like the other records, like he, he's like, well, I ask it. There's some songs that are a little out of the norm, but that's not songs that I'm like, no way. Yeah. They just don't really kind of fit in with the set and stuff, making yeah. cohesive kind of deal. Well, the thing is, as well, is that ultimately, as we've talked about, you know, you've, you've, you've got to do this thing for yourself. You've got to enjoy it. And, and you can't be stood there playing songs you don't like. No, we won't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. yeah. people like play Sacred Rock. Like, oh, you don't want to see us play Sacred Rock, trust me. Yeah, yeah. So I was a little. Yeah, I don't want to play that one too. Dude, we're gonna have to play Draining You Alive. That was the one. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're gonna have to play it because next year's thirty years of that song surf. So Slayer. Okay. <laughs> what we'll do is we'll give <laughs> it a little. Yeah, Slayer would do the same thing for thirty years. Hey, check, well, so. check it out. If we play Draining You Alive, we will actually play Surf Nicaragua in its entirety. All four songs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that would actually be funny if yeah. we did playing Surf Nicaragua in its entirety. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah that would be great. Yeah, yeah. Playing like, terrible. Okay. Playing 25 minute sets. Surf Formation, Warpings. Yeah, and Draining. Draining You Alive was on that? Yeah. I don't know how it didn't make it on the first record. That know. was on our demo, and somehow it didn't make it on our first record. Are you sure? I'm 100% certain, <laughs> I'm 100%. Our demo's called. Oh, no. That could have been a trivia question on Jeopardy for all the money. Our and all we got it wrong. Listen, our demo <laughs> is called Draining You of Life, and it didn't make it on our first record. That's what really? I mean. I We're ironic. That's, that's record labels for you right there. No, that's it was us. Really? It had nothing to do I, with them. I thought that was the one song that never made it on a record. And that's another trivia question that would have got wrong. It was on Every surf. song we ever wrote got on a record. It did. So just, just as long as Sacred Rights not your specialist subject, you'd be okay. It's, it, it's, it's difficult to play in a weird way. Uh, it's just not a good song. It's our first song we ever wrote. It needs to be retired. Ah, right, yeah. It's, yeah. Not, it's not good. So how do you feel about the American Way, then? I like that one. Other than the 31 Flavors. I like that one. I like 31 Flavors. I like the idea at the time. No, but I don't want to play cool. it anymore. I can't, listen. Play I can't listen to that. That was the question. Can you play it live? It was not executed properly. It's okay. Yeah. No, my but the thing is, that's, that's what was happening at the time, though. Well, I don't you know. know. We, I just... It was, now... I'm trying to remember, was it, did you guys tour the UK with Forbidden? Yes. Right, okay, so you and I have met, believe it or not, uh, we, met in, we met in Bradford, not the time. Right, no. the time before. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bradford, your favourite place in the, the world. That's a crime. It's the best story, best story it's, story. Yeah. Thrown through a window. Yeah. Yeah. I um, tell my kids that, they're like, wow, I'm like, yeah, like a barroom place. How the fuck do you end up in a proper barroom fight? Wrong place at the wrong time. So, we like to smoke weed. Yeah. So we had a day off in Bradford. We said, where should we go to get some weed? They go, go to this place. So we went there during the day. Yeah. And we were drinking and hanging out, trying to score some hash or whatever. And some of the guys left and some of us stayed. And as the night went on, like all these biker guys started showing up, like turned into like a biker bar. Right. During the day, it was mellow. And as the night progressed, all these bikers showed up, and apparently they were called the Satan Slaves. Apparently, they looked for trouble. That's their deal. Right. And we were the and we were the guys. And uh, yeah, there was a guy, and I had like when somebody like in JFK at the airport gave me this little harmonica, like three little, like a tiny, yeah, yeah. like as big one, as like, your finger, like a key ring. Yeah, harmonica. Yeah. And I was like playing it, woo, like, 
And this guy's like, fuck off. You know? And I go, and I go, look, it only has three holes. How good? And he's, he looks at me, he's like, fuck off. Like, I'm serious. I was like, oh, okay. And then he's like, he came up and he's like, yo, you from, you luck from America? I'm like, yeah. He goes, fuck, I, fuck that place. I went there and all I got was a rash of shit. And I go, I, that's weird. Like, when we meet people from somewhere else, we want to, you know, talk to them, find out. And he's an yeah. enormous dude. <laughs> And I was standing in front of him, and uh, James from Atrophy was standing to one side, and Goody, our, uh, he was Jason's guitar tech, was standing on one side. He goes, you from America? I go, yeah. He goes, you from America? And James goes, yeah. He goes, you from America? Yeah. And he punched all three of us. And they all jumped us. Fuck. And one, like, next thing I know, the dude had me by the hair, and, like, I was, like, bent over, and some dude's, like, totally uppercutting me in the face. Oh. And there's a dude kicking me on one side, and another dude hitting me from, like, three dudes were working me over. And I just covered up my face as best I could. They were beating the shit out of me. And I heard Gloria, our manager, was in the bathroom, and I heard her go, oh, my God! She came out of the bathroom, and we were getting the shit kicked out of us. And then, uh... Like, I don't know what happened. I got let go, and James grabbed me and I think pulled me outside, and he ran off. And I got outside, and I was kind of like out of it. Yeah. And I heard Gloria go, They got Goody! And I was like, our, I get outside, and our sound guy's like sitting on the ground talking to some girl. I'm like, You know, we gotta go get Goody. He's still in there. And I turn around, they were piling up, pow, punching the face again. Uh. And had me like with my jacket over my head, my uh. leather jacket, and I couldn't move and just uppercut me, punching me. And then took me and swung me through this, at this window. And I remember the window coming. And I'm going to thought to myself in a split second, like, am I going to bounce off? You know, I thought you might go, boom, you know. Yeah, bounce. yeah, yeah. No, straight through. And I was like, oh, that, that answers that. Fuck. And then, like, the dude was just kicking my ass. And I was like... There wasn't like a oh, lot right, so, I could so, do. so throwing you through the window. It didn't fit, did it finish with throwing you through the window? No, no. Like there? he kind of threw. He held on to me, threw me through the window, broke it, and then dragged me back out. Never let me go. And then, you know, and finally somebody was like, "Let him go! Let him go!" Jumped on his back or something. He finally let me go, and I was like, Whoa. "Pulled my jacket down and started walking back towards the hotel." <laughs> and the bus pulled up, and they took us to the hospital. So Goody was coming outside like this with his hands up. Hey, man, I got no problem. The doorman's like, okay. And then just punched him right in the face. Uh, broke his nose, gave him two black eyes. Shit. And uh, so they t- I had some, I had like some cuts on my shoulder and stuff. They gave me some stitches. And uh, Goody had a busted face. But that's, I mean, thrown through a window, people have died from that. Well, I had some cuts, you know? like, on my neck and stuff. Yeah, like, yeah, had yeah. they been deeper, I probably would have died, but yeah, they weren't. Yeah. yeah. So, I'm sitting in the hospital, and they're giving us stitches, and uh, and I was, they're like, what happened? I go, Satan's slaves. They're like, oh, they send people in here every weekend. <laughs> they go, they go. there was one people that were going to testify against, and they went to their house, threw acid on their face. They go, you got off easy. Right. That's what they told us. We're like, okay. And then I'm sitting there and the phone rings. I hear the phone ring. I go, that's my mom. Right. And they go, Mr. Wren, you have a phone call? I'm like, yeah. I knew my mom's ring. My wow. mom, I knew, And I was like, she's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, it's okay. Fuck. That was crazy. I know. I know. But the weird thing is that the next, the next time you're over in the UK, you, they route it all through Bradford again. I was like, did, did you see that? There again? I think we, we canceled the show but came back and redid the ah, show. Right, so that's when you came back with Forbidden. Yeah, no, no, it was the same tour. 
Really? It was just a f- like it was a few days like when we had a day off we came back through. Because I because I, I remember that because that's when Bostoff was playing with a broken arm, wasn't it? It was same tour. Yeah, yeah. Because I, rem- I remember I remember being in your dressing room for enough. I remember Gloria being there and um, and uh, yeah, just uh, you know a lot of people around there. It was an awesome show, but. I don't remember you like looking like you like taking no, a world class beating. No, no, I had my hands up. Right. Yeah. So they didn't really get my face. They do was hit me in the head. If you had seen my skull, it was just I laid down. It was just a bunch of lumps. Oh. Like it just hit me in the head. But my head is like I go. There's a song by Jane's Addiction, yeah. and it says, "Bump my head. I'm a battering ram. Goddamn, took the pain." I'm like, "That's my head. I have a gigantic head. It's a battering ram. You can hit me in the head all day long. Nothing's gonna happen." <laughs> I protected my face, like my forearms were all lumped up from yeah. where they were hitting me, but it was okay. We hadn't cut your ribs or anything. Okay. I just went like this, like they worked me a little on the ribs. It's okay, like it wasn't a big deal. But uh, the next when, when we played the show, someone jumped on stage and hit, patted me like that on the shoulder, and I was like, I go, if you want to pat me on the shoulder, pat me on this one because I had stitches in this one. Yeah, like you couldn't see. Goody looked totally fucked up though. He had the broken nose, two black eyes. He looked messed up. Like, dude from Kerrang! came to take pictures. I go, not of me. Have fun. Yeah. Like, I don't want to sensationalize it. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Mind you, at least you got all your free health care on the National Health Service. <laughs> yeah, I didn't pay the bill, yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah, too right. That's just... So I mean, the least you can do if you kick my ass, I'd let the country pay for it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, okay, shit happened. Like, I go, I must have done something. To, you don't get your ass kicked for no reason. I think you were right the but, first time. Wrong, pla- wrong, wrong yeah. time, wrong place. The karma cops came. Yeah, yeah, and they just fucked you over, and that was that. Um, but it's a great story you have, though, isn't it? It's yeah. like and it's a great war story. Yeah, like we have a bunch of like crazy yeah. shit happening. That makes it more interesting. Yeah, yeah. Also, we shit always happens when you're younger as well, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, we had we had like riot in Boston, Allentown, Pennsylvania. Some shit happens, and, uh, and and none of that happens now, does it? Not yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hopefully not. We're not not stirring shit up either. Yeah, yeah. That's it. It's like the older you get, the mellower you get. I mean, I'm I'm always telling people I'm actually enjoying. I'm enjoying the second time round. I think more than the first because I don't know. I just carried a lot of stress around with me, and then it's like you just you know you're you're always thinking about everything, and you don't see other bands as friends. Everybody's everybody's a fucking yeah, I've never felt. I yeah. never felt like that. But the thing that we had was, I think we we were too serious. Like, yeah, that's that's, yeah, that's yeah, what I mean. Right? Yeah. Like you, like you. It's the most. Well, sorry. I always describe it like this. When it was the most important thing in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Like when yeah. you were playing, it was the most important thing in the world. When you get older, your priorities change a little bit. Things change. But at that time, that's it. It's everything. Also, I think when you're young as well, it's like there's your opinion and then there's everybody else who's wrong. Right. You know? Yes. And, 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 and that's a problem you get within bounds as well because it's like you can't work shit out. You can't talk stuff out. And it's like, I always remember things like if we're going to do stuff as a band, like, you know, if we're going to go to the pub, everyone has to come to the pub. Right? You've all got to go to the pub. You can't have like one person not coming to the pub. That's like, you're now, you're saying you don't want to be in the band if you don't, do you know what I mean? We it's were like, never like that. But. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah. you know, it. But, with, but like I said, when you're younger, it's, it's, it's it, yeah, you don't, you, you don't talk shit out. You know? We were always a good democracy, right, Chase? Yeah, the only problem was there's four of us. Yeah, that's, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, ha- having spent my time in a band where there's five people, 
And what? Yeah, and, and you think you're going to end up yeah, always yeah, up? Yeah. You yeah. think you're always going to end up with yeah. a, um, a majority? What, what you end up with is five people voting for five different fucking things, you know, or trying to pull five different ways. Um, yeah, that is an interesting. That's an interesting democracy, right there. We we worked it out. Bill Bill made me laugh. I told you the conversation I had with Bill once. Matoya, yeah. where he goes, we were in the studio and everybody else was gone. He goes, you're good. I go, what? He goes, you're good. Think everyone thinks it's a democracy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a true politician. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, well, those people, oh, no, 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 no. Two oh. directions? No, you know, unfortunately. No, I try to the other way and they fall. Yes. So we just so uh, look at the merge setup at the moment, look, guys. But the problem is, is so that's going to come out, and then we have boxes on top of it. Mm. Well, that'll be what it'll be. Okay. Unless there's some directions that can prove my other theory. I got you. I'm wrong. Okay. okay. If it goes against the wall, it's fine. I understand what you're saying. But I want to be able to stand. I mean, it's not that wall. Okay. Yeah. So you're going to all be lined up here when uh, when everyone comes in. <coughs> It's not that far out. No, it's fine. Whatever. Just put a box there and a box there. Whatever's clever, buddy. That's, I mean, that's the whatever's clever tour. What, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we have uh, four different shirts. Yeah. Two will go on each one. So you're going to do a, two. So yeah. we've got a, a 30 year anniversary shirt. Then, yeah. We have a, a tour shirt. Yeah. Then we have an ignorant shirt, which we never made, but we. We had ignorant shirts in 1987 on our tour, which was four shows, and they were white. And thin. Ah. So, like, we never really did an ignorant shirt, so we redid it uh, in black. Obviously. And Paul cleaned up the artwork because he was never super happy with the cover. Yeah. So we made we made it kind of proper, made the logo bigger, so it looks good. Yeah. And then we have Surf, which. Well, that's a classic, isn't it? Yeah, it would be stupid not to bring it. And then uh, our regular OD shirt, like the original shirt that we made, that Gary Nerger made for us with the Violent Solutions on the back, and that was like 1987. But I I, I, I like working on the merch and everything these days. I I, I love it because I think, you know, trying to find, trying to come up with cool stuff. I don't like all the carrying the boxes. Oh, do you mean like coming up with the shirts? Yeah, I mean designing. Oh, Definitely okay, not carrying yeah. boxes around. I'm with you on that. Hey, look, I'm the vocalist. I can carry anything. Right. Um, but um, no, I, I enjoy all that. I, I, you know, and you, when you're putting cool stuff together and thinking, I know this is going to fucking go over really well. The people are going to be really, you know, really excited about that. Yeah, I think um, people like it. I think people like it. Well, let's face it. Merch is the new. It's the new album, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's basically it's what people will. It's what people will buy. Well, yeah, it's, there's no physical products in the shops anymore. Well, it's actually, yeah, it's 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 the the, <coughs> the major part of your income. Mm. Yeah, it's your revenue stream. Um, I mean, I, the, we did we did tour back in April, and, and then looked at the books at the end of the tour, and basically, um, fees covered your expenses, our expenses, yeah. and whatever money you want to make, it's it's merch. Yeah, it's crazy. That's it. Yeah, and and you know, I've learned, you know. We thought like it would be a really good idea to do lots of different designs. We did lots of different designs, and then yeah, too much choice. Absolutely. Well, who wants to carry all that shit? Well, there people are that, like, I want people are like, I want a, I want a hoodie. I'm like, you know how much room hoodies take up? I mean, logistically. Yeah. 
They're yeah. just too big. I don't. We already are carrying around so much stuff. I mean, you, yeah. And then you need hoodies in, in like five different skews of sizes. I'm yeah. like, I can't do it. And they're expensive. Well, so what I'm thinking is we may do an online store. Yeah. So stuff I don't want to carry around with us. I want T-shirts are fine. Patches are fine. Pins are fine. They don't yeah. take up a lot of room. Yeah. There's a finite amount of room you have. And I can't take all the shirts. I need a second drop. I can't take all the shirts at once. We don't have enough room for it. Yeah. Be like twenty-two boxes. Who has room for twenty-two boxes? Well, we did. We just did. A, we did a patch as well, which is great. It's a great margin on them as well. And we did posters as well. Oh, really? Yeah. I tell you. I tell you all about that offer as well. Just uh, the margin. Yeah, but and uh, and uh, but they and they weigh nothing. Um, you know, is it pain in the ass though? Yeah, not really. Also, people will if, if you if you're if you're going to sign the shirts, you end up with a merch store at the end of the gig that looks like down the front. If you're if you can all head straight out and say, well, we'll, we'll do post and sign it, and it's like, yeah, well, I'm here, I'll have you know, and you know, it worked really well. Yeah, most of those people would love to sign. Yeah, well, exactly, because you you know that's the like we talked people. about doing posters. I just I didn't want to carry them. Right. I just think they're just like paper. I'm like, I guess tubes, right? Well, good. well, what we what we did, what we did, we did was um, uh, we got 300 GSM. It's like cardboard. And it's like little. It's like flappy. It's, you know, it, so, how big just, were they? Um, A3. I don't know what that is. Right. Okay. Um, we know A4, like letter size. Oh, okay. Big letter size. So kind of like that. Oh, so that not like wall. No, 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 no. No, no. So basically, like, like that, like basically that up to the ceiling. Oh, okay. Um, and that wide. Oh, um, that makes sense. That's yeah, cool. absolutely. Yeah, that's cool. And they're, and they're kind of cardboard as well. And, and and as soon as we did them, you've got people sending in pictures saying, "Here it is, framed in the front room." Ooh, here, yeah. Or more yeah, likely, that would be cool. Or more likely, here it is in the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, people love it. And they're like, "Oh, can you put this? And can you put that? Sure. And can you sign oh, the yeah. date on it?" And that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It would be cool to do like some cool artwork. But I don't want our faces on them in any sort of way. No, no. This is this was like um, artwork. Really cool artwork. We did for the last single, and it was like as soon as that art, as soon as I saw the artwork for the first time, it's like right, that's a shirt, that's a poster, cool. and it ended up being the lyric video as well. Yeah, that so would be like, cool. That would make a lot more sense. Because yeah. I'm thinking posters rolled up in a poster tube. Oh yeah, no, yeah, fuck that. Yeah. Well, the great thing about that size as well is they'll fit in your they they fit in your boxes with your shirts, so you can just put them in shirts on top or shirts down posters on top. Right. They take up so little room. Right. You can cool. spread them across your boxes. Yeah, it's like a collectible thing. Yeah, that absolutely. People can have and keep, and it's cool. Yeah. And when you've got and when you've got a slightly older fan base like we have, then that's the kind of thing that, that they want to frame and put on the wall. And we've like. People, and that's you know, cool too. Yeah, I like that. You know, people said like, "Oh, look, here he's in my office and stuff like that." It's yeah. like, yeah, that's really cool. In my office, that's funny. I know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Or, or, or when it's like, when when I don't know how you feel about it when people come and they're like, "Oh, it's my first time. And I brought my I brought my kid as well." And you're like, "That's awesome." God, yeah. that I is just fantastic. Yeah. Well, I when when people go, "Oh, this is my first time seeing the band," I always feel like, "Oh, I'm sorry." Yeah. <laughs> like we must have. We used to be a lot cooler, like looking, you know. <laughs> but I think we sound better now. Like we play better, I think. Yeah, I think I sing better. Yeah, I, but uh, but we don't look cool. Like we used to look cool. Yeah, but the thing is, it's like well, we used could, to look cool. Air quotes. Yeah, but yeah, but guess what happened to the audience? Yeah. Same thing. Yeah, you know, well, more or less. Yeah, 
It's like you know, no one, uh, you know, no one's rocking up looking like they're, like they're seventeen when they're so you know, when they're forty-seven. Um, but uh, well, yeah, it's me accepted, obviously. But uh, <laughs> no, but it, it's it is. It's, I mean, when you you've got the parents saying, "I feel like a teenager again," you know, and here's my here's my son who's like you know who I've got into. Man, my oldest son's like, twenty-five. You know, like wow, man. Yeah. So I get, I I go, how did I get a twenty-five-year-old kid like? Yeah, I know. It's just like it's weird. I don't isn't feel it? old. Like, but do you think there's a do think, there's something about doing this that just that keeps you young? Well, I think we're all a bunch of immature children. I mean, I and I, it's not this. It's just who we are. <laughs> I talked to my daughter. My I have a 25 year old, a 23 year old, a 15 and a 13. And my daughter sometimes says like, I wish I had like a. A more mature dad. I go, you really think that? She goes, no. Sometimes. You always make a joke out of everything. You're always like, I go, uh, yeah. I go, do you do you have friends with cooler parents? I mean, are you missing something? She's like, no. I'm like, okay. Then you're okay? She's yeah. Like, yeah. That's I'm, like, I'm like, growing up is a trap. Yeah. yeah. Having an old way of thinking is a trap. Because it doesn't grow, it doesn't change. Old is rigid. Yes. Old is set in its ways. Old is not like an old mentality. Age is age is a number. Yeah. A mentality can be old. I, I know. I know. Fr- I know friends of mine who were old by they were twenty two. Sure. Twenty one. And they just stuck know. in a rut, or, or yeah. just okay with the way things are, and continue. You know, aren't interested in new things and whatever. Yeah. Like, I'm not interested in a lot of new things, but I'm open to other stuff. You know what I mean? And, so, and it's that remaining open to stuff. Yeah, it? just you not know? being closed off. Yeah. That's old. Well, what, cracks, what cracks me up is when I get people saying, like, oh, we're going to come to show, but I want to go down the front, you know, not at my age. It's like, I'm fucking older than you. You know, if we if we took that attitude, you wouldn't be going to the gig because there'd be no gig. Right. You know, it's like age is a reason... For me, I always think like age is a reason to do things. Yeah, yeah, because you might not get this opportunity sure. again. You might not get this chance again. Yeah. And, and it depends how you feel, right? Yeah. Because if you feel great and feel like going and doing something, if you if you don't feel up to it, sometimes I get that too. <laughs> oh, we all we all get that from. Yeah, time to time. just like oh, I thought I was gonna go out, but. <laughs> I think I'm going to go read a book and lay down. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, like, I don't feel the need to go do a bunch of stuff all the time either. Mm-hmm. Like, I think as I get older, I don't I don't feel like I'm missing out on stuff. I think when you're younger, you're like, oh, I'm missing. What am I missing? Like, I don't think I'm missing anything. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, well, I def- I, I, how can I'm, we help you? Ask it about uh, he would be up by the stage, probably, yeah, sure. or in the dressing room area. Are these all uh, working out? Okay. Yes. So, can we pause this real quick? Yeah, yeah, of course. Aha, uh-huh. here's where I say this again. So, what do I <laughs> owe you? Um, it was 114 for these, plus you can uh, claim VAT back. It's all forms and shit like that. But, yeah. <laughs> It'll happen. But yeah, I, I know what you mean about like not missing out on stuff, and, and um, especially with social media as well. So you, you always know what everyone's doing anyway. So you know, um, and I'm, gl- I'm, I'm glad that you have fun administering that page as well. Yeah, because yeah. I, I I do uh, I do ours most of the time. And, yeah, um, the Facebook, the Instagram, whatever it is. Do you, are you guys on Twitter as well? Huh? 
Right, I'm gonna find. I'm gonna find you on there as well. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's probably our least trafficked one. Same here. And uh, Facebook's a lot of interaction to most people. Yeah, same here. And Instagram's second. It's fun because it's mostly just photos. Yeah. So that's cool. Well, that, well, let's face it. The the older generation, we, we claimed Facebook, didn't we? Yes, the kids <laughs> have moved on. That's it. Yeah, we we took we took that shit over. MySpace. Oh, I, MySpace, yeah. I don't, I gotta admit, I, I, I don't miss MySpace, but I'm still in touch with, or rather in touch with a surprisingly large amount of people that found me through MySpace. It took me a long time to like Facebook better. Yeah. I did like, I liked MySpace. Yeah, no, I did, didn't I? And uh, I, I know what you mean. So uh, Facebook has a, it's like, it's like a own living entity. Yeah. It really trips me out. There's uh, two, two people. I haven't posted. Any pictures ever in my life have I uploaded anything to that? And look at my my repertoire. I've got stuff I got up because I've been tagged in it by these guys. I got all their photos from Europe. Got all the photos of everything else. I never put one on there myself. Right. My page looks like somebody took some time on it. <laughs> it was a computer bio bio rhythm, what do they call it? Well you, like you said, it is it's almost like its own living entity where it's like over a billion users. Oh, you know, it's like that's over a billion people live there on it's amazing, Facebook. That's the whole internet thing. Yeah. How I just people? posted a picture to Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Oh, that's awesome. I, I because I was like, oh, I want to go take a picture of the marquee ah. and say London tonight. So if people don't know, yeah, now they will. Yeah, it's um. Yeah, the ah, um, uh, oh, the marquee. You had some nights there. Fuck. I re- remember the first time we played, and we did uh, an in-store at the record store. Was it Sounds Records or something? We did it. We did it in-store, and we were walking back towards shades. The shades downstairs. Yeah. In the basement. Yeah. And we were walking back to the store, and I was like, "What the fuck are all those people?" They go, "That's the line for the show." I was like, "Holy shit." There was a line like around the block. I was like, for us? And we broke Jimi Hendrix's record? Oh, I don't know. It was some record uh, we broke from along this queue. There's always a, there's always there's always a record. Yeah, oh, well now well now it's just a big pub. Now it's just a big pub with um, a few a few kind of like plaques. Jimi Hendrix spelt wrong. Um, you know, it's just like oh well. But you know. That show is totally insane. Yeah. Yeah, the marking show. Yeah, those were great shows. The marquee shows used to be amazing. Yeah. Absolutely, mate. We did. Unless you're in the very front row. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> oh, no. uncomfortable. Then it's a little uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, there is that. But there again, I mean, you know, that's just, it's, again, it's just it's a shame it went. And so many venues gone. And well. It wouldn't be like that anymore, though. Um, no, but um, we've, we've, we've just lost so many venues. I mean, that way, you had the marquee just up the road, you had the Astoria. Just up the road from that was the, was the sort of LA2 on the ground, and all three have gone. So it's just kind of like, well, you know, what do we do? I think that's a sign. Yeah, I, do. I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, Phil, it's been an absolute pleasure. Pleasure, man. Thank you very Thank much. You. Cheers. I'm glad we were able to do this. Squeeze her in. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, hey, multitasking. Who says? 
And there you have it, my inter- my uh, interview with um, Phil yesterday. It was really nice. He was just such an accommodating guy, um, and uh, yeah, we had, a, had quite a little bit of a chat after the um, after the podcast finished. The um, the uh, sound check at the end there um, actually stopped, and we uh, we ended up having a bit of a chat about all sorts, um, and and also sharing a few tips on merch with each other. And 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 Phil is the one who. Um, he administrates the band's Facebook page and when he announced the UK tour and all that and, and got all the inevitable UK fucking moaners about how they weren't playing their town or their garden or their fucking bedroom um, so and and somebody had tagged us in it going saying oh you know if you could, if you had these guys play with you and so and then I saw the sh- I saw the thread and I saw these moaners so I, I so I made a few comment about like it was like you know um, and I think uh, he'd commented, so you know, sorry, dude, we're not playing your town, but you know, there's only so many we can play. And I was like, and, and I, I was commenting. So anyway, basically, we ended up having a little bit of a giggle about all of that. But um, yeah, it was really cool. It was really cool. You 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 heard there, and um, that's 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 all I got to say, really. Um, and um, um, now I am gonna have. I have calmed down, by the way. I've by the way, I've, I've actually had a haircut since. Um, since uh, since um, uh, having that rant, um, my um, uh, the sister of the woman who used to cut my hair um, has gone mobile, so now she calls in and cuts my hair whenever I'm at home. So um, so yeah, I've had a, anyway. <laughs> fascinating stuff. I I don't know why I shared that with you, but um, you know I I I this is <laughs> continuing the overshare. That is this podcast at the moment, uh, or at least today, anyway. Um, yeah, I just thought I'd, you know, put that uh, put that out there. Um, so yeah, I was uh, I was I was watching some footage the other day. No, no, what was that? I was that was it. I was um, I heard a song by System of a Down, and it was and it was from the Steal This album. Um, you know, it was the pepperoni, green, green peppers, mushrooms, olive chives. Pepperoni, and I, and you know what? I found it really fucking annoying, and and then I and I, and I just I started listening to a system of a, a bit other tracks, and I think I've got a problem with that band. I mean, I saw them tour their first album. Okay, I saw them play the UK on their very first album, and I got into them on their first album, and. Not like everybody else coming late to the party on, you know, toxicity or even later. And I, I, I've, I've got a problem with them. And the problem is that they haven't put out any new fucking music for so long. And, and, and yet they're headlining festivals. And it's just like, they're just, they're just a tribute band. They're a pale imitation of the band they used to be. They, and, and, you know, as, as, yes, I know, Tool haven't put, any new music out for years and years but at least you know it's coming at some point at least you know you know that they definitely you know they have confirmed they're working on an album and all the rest of it so you know it's just it's just i don't know that band is being spoiled for me um by by them they just seem to be the legacy is getting weaker and weaker the longer it gets from the last time they put any new stuff out the more i think this is just bollocks. You're just taking the piss now. And somebody actually said, I, a friend of mine lives in Belgium, and they're like, oh, do you want to come over? Our system of downhill. And I was like, they can fuck off until they record some new material because I'm not, I'm not interested. You cannot just trade on past glories 
all the time. Now, I'm well aware what I'm saying here. Yes, Acid Rain hasn't put any new stuff, hasn't put a new album out for um, for over 20 years, but we weren't together, and we are, and we are, you know, going to try and put one out, and we have put two new songs out. They haven't even done a song, you know, and it's just. I just think it's taking a piss, but then people are prepared. People, you know, stump up money to see him. Fine, that's great. If that's what you want to do, great. I'm not saying they shouldn't be doing it, but for me, what I'm saying is their legacy is getting more and more meaningless by the day. That's all. That's all I'm saying. But I'm just, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's bugging at me, and, and, and it's, it's, it's making albums that I once loved. Um, it's it's making me not love them. It's making me it's making it very difficult to listen to them, to be honest, because I just think, mm, really, we still not get anything new. We still not getting anything anything decent. It's just it, it just pisses me off. Just pisses me off because I'd like to hear some new stuff, but it's getting to the stage now where I'm thinking, do you know what? If they did put out a new album, I don't think I'd care. I really don't. But anyway, anyway, fuck it. Let's let, let's move on. Let's move on. In fact. Let's have another interview. Now, um, this second interview is, um, uh, well, it is with Metalina, as I'm going to call her. Um, uh, uh, that's Metalina. Um, and she's a fascinating woman. Um, I don't want to say, I don't want to say too much because I want you to listen to this interview and just hear how amazing this woman's life has been. She is into metal. Um, she is uh, Lebanese. Um, uh, metal is illegal in Lebanon. That's enough, really, isn't it? So, yeah. Pin your ears back, sit down, and have a listen to this fascinating woman and her fascinating journey. Um, hello. Um, you join me, um, or join us, rather. I am in um, Lena or uh, Metalina's um, front room um, uh, in the deepest, darkest and incredibly warm and sweaty um, North London. Had a little bit of a, um, a little bit of a mission parking the car, um, but it's all been worth it. I've been met with coffee and beautiful Belgian biscuits. Um, and um, so, yeah, Lena, welcome to the podcast. Well, welcome to my living room. Mm. It's lovely. It really is. It's great, and I love this mug. I'm Lebanese. I can't keep calm. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's very accurate. Mm. Yeah, if if I were to pick a, a slogan for being Lebanese, yeah, this would be it. And actually, I did buy this at the airport in Beirut. So it is <laughs> officially sanctioned by the Lebanese authorities. Right. Well, it, let's dig straight in. So, are you are you officially sanctioned by the Lebanese authorities? <laughs> well, let's just say I've only been arrested once. So, right, okay. so far, I am doing fine, considering that they let me go. But that was a long time ago. So, how long do you? How long have you been? Um, I don't know. Well, what, what do you do? What's your official title? <laughs> official title. Yeah. Um, are you talking about work? Well, yeah, well, yeah, 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 yeah. This is going to be interesting, isn't it? Um, if we can squeeze this into about an hour and a half. Um, uh, your official title at work. Official title at work. So. Um, you introduced me as Lina Metalina. My yeah. real name is Lina Khatib. It's an Arabic surname because I'm originally Lebanese. I'm British. I've been an, a Lebanese expat for almost 20 years now. And over the years, I've done many different things with my life. But right now, I work in policy. 
So I work for a think tank in London. This is what I do to make a living. My official title is head of the Middle East and North Africa program. <laughs> wow! Right, okay, so uh, pfft, sort all that out before tea then. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's just this, uh, you know, this this think tank called Chatham House that... Oh, know it very well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, some yeah. people may not know if they don't care about politics and policy, but this is what I do. It happens to be one of the world's most prominent yeah. institutions. My job is to think about what's happening in the Middle East in terms of politics and security, write about it, speak about it, try to get the public to understand all the stuff that's going on there a bit better. Good and luck. Exactly. But yeah. all that is easy compared with talking to the policymakers around the world and trying to tell uh, them what I think they should do and they ignore me. Yes. Yeah, I I have found very often that um, people will often, even in some cases, they will pay for advice to and then ignore it. Yeah, I mean, um, um, one thing you realise when you work in politics is that a lot of politicians around the world bring in experts just to say, we've listened to diverse opinions, but yeah. they end up doing what, what they, whatever they want to do anyway. So, or, the, or they bring people in to who they know are going to agree. They bring people in to back... Their, their point of view. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and this is where I know for sure that that would not be me because everybody in my field knows that I'm not that kind of person. Yeah. Meaning I will say it as it is and I will try to give them as much of a hard time as I can, which I rather enjoy doing. So I okay. see part of okay. my job is trying as much as I can to hold politicians accountable for all the mess that they're creating in wow. the world. Wow. So... Whilst, I, but this also involves the fact that basically, I mean, it's 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 a it's a job that can it's life consuming, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, it's not a nine to five job. Yeah. I do have an office that I go to every now and then, but the job is basically twenty four hours. Um, I am constantly traveling around the world, speaking about the Middle East, talking to different governments about the Middle East, um, speaking at conferences, doing field work. Um, doing media in the middle of the night, uh, Skyping at four in the morning, whatever it is. Um, Podcasting at five in the evening. Yeah, well, you see, um, yes, this counts as media outreach. <laughs> <laughs> outreach to the metal community. Yeah, why not? It's a whole new audience. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it certainly is. And I'm sure this podcast would be the one place people would come. Yeah, well, you see, <laughs> Chatham House um, does do podcasts, but not like this. But yeah, maybe, yeah, imagine, how, yeah. maybe this can be the start of a new career for you as well. Who knows? Who, Who knows? knows? You, yeah. you, you know, they might listen to this and say, hey, this is exactly what think tanks need right now. A more relaxed approach. Absolutely. We need yeah. podcasts like this to reach out to the average person who otherwise wouldn't care about what's going on in the Middle East or anywhere else in the world for that matter. And and, and, and my listeners are very much above average. So um, that, that's, you know, that, that works beautifully that's it, for sold. both of us. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Sold, absolutely. I, I think, yeah, you yeah. know, I think we may reach a good, uh, good deal by, by the end <laughs> of this conversation. Absolutely. So, um, so obviously, uh, you know, I referred to you as Metalina. Um, uh, you're, you're, you're kind of quite well known for all the best reasons within the London heavy metal scene. Um, do, it, it, is there a, is there a clash at all there with, um, uh, with work, with culture, with, you know, mm. 
Well, um, when I came back to London after having lived abroad for a while, because what happened is I moved to the UK from Lebanon and settled... Why, why, why was that, by the way? Oh, I first came to the UK to study, actually. Right, okay, so yeah. you weren't fleeing anything? Or... No, I didn't, I didn't right. flee anything at Just the time. Expect, I, I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm of that age where you hear Lebanon... Yeah. Leaving Lebanon means you fled because something was on fire. Yeah, you know? well, in some ways, you can you can say I did flee, but not an act of conflict or something. I mean, right. let's put it this <laughs> right, way. Right, right. Oppressive I, parents? No. The drinking laws? No, the country as a whole. Right. It's not very pleasant, sadly. Yeah. And so I grew up in Lebanon during the Civil War. I lived through most of it. That wasn't fun, I can tell you that. But yeah. then in the 90s, the war ended. And I went to university in Lebanon, had a great time doing that. However, it was... Hang on, hang on. Can, I, yeah. can, I just, can I just stop you there? Because that, that, for me, is fascinating. Mm. It's like, how do you go from living in a place that is essentially, um, not falling apart, but it's a war with itself, for God's sake, civil war. It's yeah. tearing itself apart. Yeah. How does that suddenly go from, oh, this time last year we were shooting each other to, oh, I'm going to go to uni now. Exactly. That just seems like so much to to try and wrap your head around. Yeah, it was quite crazy. Actually, the Lebanese Civil War was a brutal war and I lost family members, etc., etc., in that war. But the Lebanese, even during the war, never stopped partying. And this is something that (laughs) will be very difficult for people outside Lebanon to imagine. So maybe let's actually, before I talk about how I got to be here in the London yeah. metal community. Maybe I'll tell you a bit about my upbringing, which not many people know about. So yeah, you'll be the free. first person with your listeners to know about my crazy childhood. So okay. basically, I grew up during the Civil War. But the way things were at the time were as follows. When the bombing stopped, because it did stop for a few days at a time because, you know, the fighters just needed a break or there was a yeah. local truce or they ran out of weapons or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, we were all like, great, let's go out and party while we can. Right. And at that time, my father did many jobs, as I do now, and one of them was a music promoter and he also owned a kind of society magazine. So... He was invited to all the gigs and all the parties. And I was a kid at the time. But my parents would drag me and my brother to all the clubs that they went to. And you can imagine, I was 10, my brother was 8. And we accompanied my parents sometimes to as many as three nightclubs per evening. And we would come back home at like five in the morning my so, you, brother, so parents would take you out clubbing basically absolutely so i grew up surrounded by two sets of people politicians and artists and to me the two worlds were more or less the same because my father did both, both. A bit he crazy was, he was a journalist and you know he did all that so i grew up you know <laughs> just thinking it's perfectly normal to combine say music and politics which is exactly what i do now so not much has changed since I was 10. <laughs> but now, thinking about it, of course, it was nuts. You've got these two kids, you know, in a, in a nightclub. Yeah. But it meant we met all the celebrities. I have all these photos, you know, at my parents' house of me with all these, you know, celebrities from the Arab world, all these singers, you know, who used to be yeah. performing at these gigs that we went to. So it was a completely crazy upbringing, but it was a lot mm. of fun. And then, you know, sometimes we'd 
arrive back home and hey a bomb lands and suddenly we have to go down to a shelter and hide and then and then and, and then it's back to the war yeah. routine yeah. Again. absolutely someone's broken the truce yeah so it's back and and bearing in mind that that truce can break any and minute it, it, can, yeah. it can break in the middle of partying in a nightclub yeah, yeah. and yeah. and the thing is it did happen and it meant that the atmosphere in Lebanon was one in which people felt that we could die anytime. Any exactly. Yes. So we yes. might so as well make the best out of it. Every minute could be the last minute of your Absolutely. life. Absolutely. So, yeah. so the, the hedonism uh, still continues in Lebanon until today. And uh, <laughs> I must book that flight. <laughs> yeah, it's actually, yeah. So you can have fun, actually, in Lebanon. It's a crazy place. But so, so that's why when the war ended, we were all like, great, now we can party as much as we like without, you know, fearing that a bomb is going to explode any minute right, now. Yeah. And party we did. <laughs> and so I went to university and I was already a metalhead when I was a teenager, you know, listening to mainly Iron Maiden and Guns N' Roses and Metallica and Nirvana at school. And um, then I formed my first band. Oh, I like the sound of that. Yes. So that was my first, um, if you like, proper kind of entry into into the world of metal. I played in this uh, band, which wasn't a very good band, but it was a lot of fun. And me and the guys are still very good friends until today. The good. band was called Paranoid. And it was oh, an alternative... I wonder, I wonder where you got that name Yeah, from. Black Sabbath happens to be my favourite band. So... What, not, not Acid Rain? <laughs> uh, let's put it this way. I didn't quite know of you in Beirut at that yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your fame I don't, I don't, hadn't reached the yeah. Middle East yet. Yeah, so. well, well, don't worry. It hasn't reached the south of the fucking UK yet. <laughs> so, uh, sorry, the south coast. Um, so, um, right, okay. So, so, basically, it was after all of the, the insanity of war, partying, etc. So, what, what you've actually got is a fairly typical... Um, kind of heavy metal sort of musical upbringing you know like you were saying about you know Metallica Guns N' Roses yeah. Iron Maiden Faith No More would have been but in there but there's a twist you know there's, oh great there's, 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 always, there's always a twist because hey it's the Middle East at the end of the day of course so yes. yes I did listen to all this stuff however the government didn't quite like that ah. and so at that time I thought, yeah I thought this rang a bell yeah, yeah so at that time even though there were many metalheads in the country and people like me were forming bands practically every day I mean there were bands mushrooming all over the place yeah and it was a great time the government didn't quite like it because it basically said that metal um, uh, musicians and fans are all Satan worshippers and they form a threat to society. So we had a series of witch hunts in Lebanon in which metalheads would be harassed or yeah. arrested. And I know um, a number of musicians in Lebanon who were arrested for just being metalheads. Wow. And the stories are really incredible. I mean... One person would be arrested and asked, do you listen to Metallica? And if they say yes, that's it. They go to jail just because of that. Wow. Um, I, can, I, I can think of a few bands that we could substitute in there now and I'd be happy for people to be, uh, to be arrested and imprisoned for listening to them. But, um, yeah, I mean, obviously... And make light of something that was very serious. Is it still the same now? Uh, now there's a period of calm in Lebanon, but you never know when it might start again because the right. witch hunts kind of come and go. Um, but at that time, the witch hunt started, and it was actually um, 
one person's suicide that created a media frenzy because he was a metalhead, he was a teenager and he committed suicide and immediately the media just jumped on metal as being the reason why he killed himself. Oh, well, as, a, as opposed to the fact that he didn't feel like he could live a normal life because, because he was being constantly oppressed for his taste in music. Well... Oh no, that's not the problem. It's the music. Yeah, I mean, it was ridiculous, but yeah. uh, it meant that the government decided to basically ban metal. And that's when, uh, you know, the tapes that I used to buy at the time from, you know, the record store next to where I lived just weren't available anymore. And a black market emerged in which people would uh, basically try to, you know, smuggle music as much as as they could into the country. So whoever went abroad would bring back a cassette tape or a CD and remove the cover so that, you know, it doesn't look like a metal, um, uh, you know, album. And 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 then presumably come back and copy it as much as they can. Absolutely. So there were all these, all these, um, you know, tapes being circulated and that's how it was. Or you went to a record store and and kind of very quietly, you know, asked for a a Metallica CD or whatever it was. So that's what happened. So so, so that, that, that was a tape trading network purely out of necessity. Because of course, you know, the tape trading network in the rest of the world had moved on by this point. Yeah. You know, you know, it's like, oh, well, tapes are gone and, you know, the tape trading network disappeared, but there's one, you know, live, live and well in Lebanon, but you're not trading demos, you're trading copies of albums that everyone else around the world can buy. Yeah, exactly. Simply because you had no choice. So I had my band at that time and we were able to perform, but in the shadow of their stupidity, really. And at that wasn't time, that, on, wasn't that quite wasn't that quite dangerous? Because if you can get imprisoned for just listening to Metallica, surely playing metal, you are you're, you're up against more than yeah. Oh, but yeah. we we didn't care. I mean, we'd lived through a civil war. You know, <laughs> jail right. didn't jail didn't really scare us. And in yeah. fact, I I was arrested, but for something completely different. I was arrested for staging a comedy political protest against the parliamentary elections in Lebanon because at right. that time. Lebanon was under actually Syrian occupation. We had the Syrian army um, controlling Lebanon and elections weren't free. And I thought they were ridiculous and I didn't feel that, you know, I I was represented in this um, political process. So I decided to make fun of it by creating fake election posters with fake candidates who just looked rather ridiculous and stuck them on the streets. And the government just believed that this is um, a threat to the national interest and arrested me and a couple of friends as a result. Um, Although the arrest was not legal because we did not break any law. And in fact, when they were interrogating me, what they put in the report was arrested because of laughter and sarcasm. Wow. Yeah, so that was metal. This whole country would be in jail. (laughs) Yeah, that was was very metal, I thought. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but the thing is... Did you break out? Did you get the rest of the band to break you out? No, actually, it was quite quite good fun because um, I, uh, uh, as part of, you know, the the collection of posters that I stuck up on the walls, I dressed up as Slash from Guns N' Roses in one of them. (laughs) And basically, I just put myself as the hard rock candidate 
you know, right, running okay, for yeah. elections. Yeah. I bet when Slash hears this, he's going to give me a call and, and, and thank me for, you know, promoting Guns N' Roses in Lebanon as an anti-establishment, uh, you know, entity. Oh, he, so, he, he will. He's a big, he's, he's big uh, fan. Uh, yeah, big I'm, fan. I'm sure he listens to this podcast Absolutely. all the time. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I was a massive Guns N' Roses fan at that time and I had massive, big, curly hair. Oh, right. Okay. Well, in, 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 in which case, frankly, jail was the right place for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, no matter what country you're in, I'm a big Guns and Roses fan. Get in jail. Yeah, I know. And so, but actually, when I what was touching was when I um, was released from jail. I only spent one night, uh, thankfully, in that filthy jail. And um, actually, it was very moving because the next mm. day, my whole family showed up and they had flowers and they were saying wow. how proud they were of me because I did <laughs> speak wow. up against the government. Oh, that's brilliant. So it's the, the opposite of, of getting picked up by your parents having been arrested over here. Yeah. It's like, you know, there'll be one parent. Oh, yeah. And that'll be the parent who is... is embarrassed. Who's, no, no, who's going to calm down enough <laughs> yeah. to pick you up. The yeah. rest will just kill you on sight. Yeah. This is the family member who's prepared who's to go down and not kill you. bringing the extended family, yeah. aunts and that's uncles brilliant. and cheering and, you know... <laughs> and, yeah. That's awesome. So, so that's Lebanon. Everything yeah. is kind of the opposite of... Um, let's put it this way the norm in the west <laughs> yeah yeah that's but it was yeah it was it was great i mean um unlike many who maybe listen to metal because they want to rebel against their parents or or, or whatever i was rebelling against society because it was backward but i had great mm. parents who used to show up to our rock concerts and metal concerts in their little suits and stand in the back and tell us, you well, should move more on stage, you know. Well, do you know, do you know what? You're exa- I, I'm exactly the same. I'm very supportive parents who, who were right behind the band and everything else. And, and um, it, yeah, I, I, was never re- I was never rebelling against, certainly not against my parents. I was never rebe- rebelling against much other than, you know, obvious injustices that you see in society. Yeah, but I have to say, my case is truly exceptional in the Middle East because the majority of parents... Don't worry, it's already (laughs) truly original, even if you take out the Middle East, you know? It's already truly original. So uh, you've got your whole party, your whole family coming down to have a party because you're getting released from jail. Yeah, absolutely. And so it was basically my parents hating the society that we lived in and just living their own way you know, regardless of not giving a shit. And me, you know, very much embracing this rebellious spirit and just kind of carrying it on. And, you know, my parents are still the same until today. Well, I was going to say, are they... And I've got to tread on thin ice here, I guess. Uh, are Are they still proud? Are they still as enthusiastic? Or is there a... As as we all get older, I get this. I know it's the. But you know what about settling down? What about about, I mean, do do you get do you get any of that at all? They've given up on that. They 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 gave up a long time ago. Because life's about what makes you happy. Yeah. No. I mean, this is the thing. My parents recognize that I am not very typical. Let's put it this way, or traditional in any way, and. They are great because they just support my choices. So they know that I have chosen this life because it makes me happy. Yeah. And my dad and I, particularly now that he's, you know, in his in his mid-70s, agree that 
any opportunity to make you happy in life, you should just embrace. Absolutely. And he's a great yeah. partner in crime. So um, <laughs> every now and then he goes, when are we going to go on an adventure again? So all my art projects over the years, because I've done a few of those as well as music, um, the books that I've worked on, my dad, whenever I've needed any help, has always volunteered to do so without right. asking any questions. And he just loves it. He just enjoys it. So That's now brilliant. they're very happy that I'm, you know, doing music as well as politics. They kind of know that this is who I am and, and you know, and it is also who they are. Which, take, which takes us nicely into, so, you know, your, your, uh, what are you, how are you involved with music at the moment? Yeah, so basically after having been um, in a band, as I said, in Lebanon, I ended up presenting at that time the only heavy metal show on national radio. Now, right. get this. As I said, metal was banned. Oh, yeah, yeah, at well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for asking all the questions. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah. You don't need me at this point. You, you can see by the quizzical looks on my face. It's like, right, okay, yeah. So, yeah, so metal was banned. However, this was in the immediate post war period in Lebanon. So, the country was a complete mess. Yeah. And I had already worked in radio since the age of 10 when I was doing children's shows and then I obviously grew up so I started doing news etc but I also had a music show so I decided I want to make this a metal music show since I have this platform using of course all the bootleg tapes that were you know kind of yeah. around in the country and I presented this show and funnily enough the government had no clue because even though they had banned metal they didn't really know what metal was yeah. and so they had no idea that I was actually playing metal on national radio every week Brilliant. it was completely crazy and so because I had a finite um, quantity of tapes that I owned that I could play I did one thing which is now known as crowdsourcing but at the time it wasn't known as anything yeah. which is to ask my listeners to come to the studio bringing in any tapes that they had so that we could play them on the show and that's what happened so the show became a hangout for people who would come and just bring me all kinds of tapes and by that time Lebanese bands started recording demos for the first time right okay. so I started playing um Music by Lebanese bands, Great. any so, band. So they knew they had an outlet. Yeah. Um, one question: Did you ever have? Did you ever have an incident where you were playing a band and you didn't know who they were, or that you played? I'm just thinking from that that the, you know from all of that bootlegging. Yeah. Sometimes you know it, you 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 think it's you know I, I, it happened in the tape trading back in the day. Yeah. You know the, the the title of the album becomes the title of the band after how, how you know X amount of copies. Did you ever oh, yeah. get anything like that going on? Well, not me, but guess who did that? The government. So what <laughs> happened at that time is that I was really curious to know what was actually banned and what wasn't. So I went to the entity that controls censorship in Lebanon, yeah. which is called the General Security Bureau. And I said to them, um, I own a music store. Of course, I was lying about that. But anyway, I wanted a, you know, yeah. a reason to be there. And I said, I want to know what to sell, you know, what's legal and what's not. And they yeah. said, um, we can't give you the list. And I said, what do I do then? And they said, we can show you the list, but you can't copy it. And I said, well, how am I supposed to remember, you know, what's, what's banned and what's not? And they said, memorize it. So I said, all right then. So I sat there for two hours, literally trying to memorize this A4 sheet that had, as you just said, names of bands, 
put there as names of albums or uh, song right. names that are listed as band names. It was a complete mess because the government had no clue what to do. But us metalheads were a little more sophisticated than that. And I guess, again, you would call it, um, I don't know, cross-research or something. It's because several people, you know, would all um, kind of agree that, yes, this song is this particular song by this particular band. So that's yeah. how you knew what you were listening to. But uh, yeah, those were crazy but interesting times. So I did that show, and this is how I got to meet the majority of bands in Lebanon. One of which is a band in which I didn't meet, but I played their music on the radio. And um, many years down the line, if you fast forward several years to 2015 in particular, I, by sheer chance, reconnected with that band. And I couldn't believe that they still existed 20 years later. Yeah. And this is how I ended up back in the metal business, basically working with them, because it was such a historic moment, you know, for me to find out that from the tens of bands that had existed in Lebanon at that time, this one band was the last one standing. And it was very moving for me. And I decided what, to what, help what, them out. What was the name of the band? This band is called Blackium. And um, they still exist until now, 22 years. And I ended up managing them. Now, what happened at that time is when we met for the first time face to face, even though, as I said, I played their music yeah, on yeah. the radio almost 20 years before. Um, and they said, would you manage us? Because now, you know, you live in the West and, you know, you're at festivals all the time and, you, you know, you understand all this stuff. Plus, you know, you work in politics and you kind of, you know, have this high level position in which you run uh, big programs and departments. Um, and I said, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. But I said, let's let's actually do this. And I did it. And then um, I ended up working with them for um, around a year and a half. I quit managing Blackium in April of this year. Um, but it was through Blackium that I um, got to meet everybody in the metal scene in yeah. London because I was just talking to people and saying, by the way, <laughs> there is a metal scene in this tiny country called Lebanon. And I happen to be working with one of the bands there. And I must say, the metal scene in London has been incredibly welcoming. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, for, for someone to just be embraced so openly was was really quite quite moving for me. Yeah, I think um, it's funny because I, I, I think I think you've um, uh, a kind of parallel to that is I think we've all we've all done it within the metal community where you discover a band that nobody else has. Mm. And you, you know, we've we've. You know, and you you set out to to tell your friends about these about this band and all, and then and and then you know you see it mushroom and everybody starts passing it around and all. And I think to a certain extent, especially the London scene, I think um, I think we collect people like that as well. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's like well we've you know wow have you met you know have you met Lena? Have you you know have you heard her incredible story? Yeah, know, I mean, and, it's and, been... and what she's doing for this, and have you yeah. heard about the band? And have you heard about? And I think because the way the metal community works now, I mm. think I think especially with the internet, basically just providing you, well, there's just so much, there's too much content to ever go through. Yeah, you know. So when 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 you hear about a story like yours, you just think, well, how how is 
how can I not know? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? How can I not know about the Lebanese metal community? <laughs> I feel like such an idiot, you know. Um, but it's but it it, it it seems like I, I mean I knew I knew it was illegal. I knew metal was illegal yeah. in Lebanon, and I wasn't sure if it still was or anything like that. But I can honestly say, and I think anyone listening to this, that's about as far as they could. That's yeah. about as much as they could tell you. Yeah. About yeah. about any of it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, mean, how did they even? How did they even manage to keep going all those years? Well, oh, with, or still with, are. I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, with difficulty. I mean, they and the rest of the bands in Lebanon—they're all in the same boat, really. Which is, it's not just about the government every now and then arresting people. It's also the fact that there are no studios that specialize in metal music. So if you want to record something, it ends up ends up sounding shit. Which means that. Bands find it a lot more difficult to compete internationally with, say, European bands, just because, you know, because of no resources, their sound will will sound terrible. Well, surely you've got to, surely you've got to leave. But if you're going to be a successful yeah. Lebanese metal band, you're yeah. going to leave. Yes, step one, leave absolutely. Lebanon. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, this is what a lot of bands either aim to do or have done. So one of the bands that I now am working with called Chaotion. Um, they left Lebanon. The, the the two key members of the band, who are basically the band, um, uh, who bringing other uh, musicians to work with them every now and then, they left the country. I mean, they were arrested for being metalheads and thrown in, in jail for four days, um, and asked all kinds of ridiculous questions. Um, one of them was um, not the question, but the mode in which it was uh, it was asked, as they tell me the story. Um, apparently, the um, policeman who had arrested them started speaking in an Egyptian dialect whenever they addressed them because they thought that the guys from Kyotion were Satan worshippers and that if they spoke to them in the Lebanese dialect, they would find out where the policeman came from and put a spell on their souls. Oh, <laughs> Backwards does not cover it, does yeah, it? Really? So, I mean, you can't. <laughs> blame people for wanting to leave so going back to a question you asked me earlier which is why i you know did i flee something Mm. well i fled you know lack of opportunity absolutely and this ridiculous backward environment that that puts a limit on your ambition and what you can achieve in life yeah yeah and that's right across the board i mean that just sounds wow so how long um i mean you said that you've you've been um so you've been a brit well, you've been a Brit yeah. for 10 years. Yeah. Right, okay. Um, how did that, I mean, how did you end up sort of landing in the UK? Was that just... Well, I originally you know, came to study. Are you um, sorry, yeah, you yeah, I, I, but I never, But I never thought I would settle in the UK. I just thought, well, I'll come to, you know, do a PhD and see what happens. And where, where was the PhD? Leicester where? University. Leicester, yeah, right, okay. Yeah, yeah. And, um, uh, and what in? Political communication. Aha, ideal. Yeah. yeah. Um, and how was Leicester? Did you enjoy Leicester? <laughs> At that time, Leicester was uh, rather awful. If yeah. I, I actually hated living a, a, there. A rather sad place it would have been. It yeah. was, yeah. Um, but hey, I, um, you know, I, I kind of had to do what I had to do and I just couldn't wait to finish the PhD, move to London. So as soon as I finished, in fact, even before I finished, I, I just moved to, to, to London. And uh, the rest is, uh, is, is is history. I love London. London is home now. Yeah. Yeah. And so now, you know, it's kind of the 
welcome I, I've been met with by the metal community in London has just been, you know, an additional lovely thing, you know, about about this place. I absolutely adore being in London. Having said that, I did leave uh, the UK for a number of years because after moving to London, um, I worked as a university uh, lecturer for a number of years. Then I got really bored with academia and I decided to work in politics. And I ended up moving to California where I worked at Stanford University at a think tank on campus. So it was an academic institution, but I didn't have an academic job. It was a policy job. And that was great, except that it was very remote. And I spent four years there. Then, funnily enough, I got a job in Lebanon working for an American think tank that had its Middle East center based in Lebanon, which is um, uh, called the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace, which is the world's oldest and biggest think tank. So I was the director of the Middle East Center based in Beirut. And this is how I reconnected with Blackion. So in some ways, it was my work in politics (laughs) that led me to where I am now in metal. That's bizarre. Yeah, there are, you know, life is interesting in how it takes you places through the strangest routes possible. So after spending two years living in Beirut again after having basically fled in the 90s um, I just couldn't wait to leave and come back to London and then I did and and, you know got this job at Chatham House which is just brilliant and everybody at Chatham House where I work now thinks it's absolutely hilarious that I manage um, metal bands and hang out you know at metal festivals in my so-called spare time yeah yeah. So how many bands are you managing at the moment? Well, at the moment, I'm working with two bands. One is the one I mentioned, which is called Chaotion, which is originally Lebanese, but now, you know, it's an expat band. And it's a death metal uh, band. And they are absolutely great. Uh, they have a new album that will be released at some point soon. And the two people who have collaborated with them on the album are the drummer from Marduk and the bassist from Obscura. And it's really powerful. And the second one is not a band. It is an international extreme metal supergroup project called Nader Sadek, after the name of the artist who puts it together. And the way it works is... People from very well-known, mainly death metal and extreme metal bands, um, get together um, and perform live shows. But the lineup changes with every set of, sh- of shows. And Nader Sadek is the person who decides who plays with whom. Mm-hmm. So uh, he has managed to bring in, in this project, uh, basically a who's who of extreme metal musicians. I mean, you name it. Um, musicians from Mayhem, from Marduk, from Sano, from um, Obscura, from Death, from I could go on, Sepultura. Um, the lineup changes all the time. And the cool thing is that Nader Sadiq himself is Egyptian and based in Cairo. So I quite like that this international project that's bringing in all these musician, musicians from very famous bands around the world is run by a guy in the Middle East. I think this is yeah. just great. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's got your fingerprints all over it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can only imagine. I only just recently started working um, with Nader on the project and I am so looking forward to what we can do together. I think, you know, the ingredients are all very, very exciting. So are you, um, um, when, you say, when you say manage, are you, so are you working on the, on the live side? Are you working on the, the, the recording side? Yeah. Do they have deals, distribution? Ba- yeah, basically manage is everything but the music. 
And so the musicians just deal with the creative side of things and I deal with the business side of things. So everything from PR campaigns to um, festival applications to networking on behalf of the bands in the industry. I mean, a key thing for me is to keep in touch with the scene in the Middle East, even if the musicians themselves have, have decamped outside the Middle East, like what happened with the guys from Kyotion. Still... Um, their music is very much, I mean, in Kyotian's case, the music is very political and very much um, engaged with all the crap happening in the region at the moment. And now that Sadiq himself is in, in a constant battle in Egypt, you know, battling censorship and ignorance as a metal musician. So for me, I, I just feel I can't, in a way, because of who I am, work with a project that's just fun, even though there's nothing wrong with that. But I feel... You know who I am. Yeah, sure. These bands speak to me, and they mean something to me, and I choose to work with them because I want to support these voices. Yeah. And I think if I can be a bridge between the scene in Europe and the US and internationally, and these musicians who come from the Middle East, then then you know I'd be doing both scenes. You know, hopefully a bit of good. Yeah, sure. Has the has the internet helped these bands um, being able to get their music out? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think without the internet, um, a lot of these bands would simply not exist. Yeah, because presumably, if the Egyptian, uh, Egyptian, if the Lebanese government can't tell the difference between a, a, a band that you shouldn't be playing and a song title and, and all the rest of it, then presumably they're completely clueless when it comes to the internet as well. Yeah, sadly, they're not completely clueless um, because at the moment uh, they have set up a bureau for cybercrime that they basically use to crack down on freedom of expression online. And they have arrested some musicians um, so, based on Facebook posts. Brilliant. So not, so not, so not credit card fraud, not grooming. Nope. Let's concentrate on, on musicians. Yeah, who may or may not have insulted the government in right. a Facebook post or a tweet. Right, okay. Yeah, so the situation, you know, is, is, is not great in Lebanon. Right, okay, but having said that, they are, they are pretty simple rules to avoid getting caught if you're a band, isn't it? It's just like, well, don't insult. You know, don't yeah, but, insult. yeah, but you don't know what they might consider to be insulting. Right, okay. So you never know. There, there, there are no written rules when it comes to what is considered insulting. Oh, well, you were, well, you, you, were arrest, you were arrested for laughing and sarcasm. Absolutely, so, for uh, dressing up as Slash and pretending to be a fake uh, parliamentary um, uh, candidate. <laughs> right, okay. But um, I, well, when you see that, now when you say it like that, that sounds arrestable. Okay, <laughs> now that sounds like you should have been arrested. <laughs> Laughing and sarcasm, not so much. But um, yeah, that's going kind to of, well. Actually, impersonating a uh, yeah, impersonating a um, uh, a political candidate. Well, yeah, well, while dressed up as Slash. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, so the internet. Yeah, I mean that. That's uh, again, you know, the internet and its effect on music is 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 multiple. But that is a that's a really positive effect. Though, yeah. Yeah. I mean, happening. at the very least, you can release your music online and hope that people across you know the world will be able to hear it. Which, say, in the '90s when I performed in my band, we we never even dreamed of anything like that. We never dreamed that someone outside our city, not just our country, would even hear about us. Yeah. Um, and so recently it was quite funny because I was um, interviewed by Metal Hammer magazine, a very short quote, you know, about me um, and what I was doing at that time. And they mentioned, oh, in the 90s, Lena played in this band called Paranoid. 
And me and the guys just couldn't stop laughing. And I said to them, see, 20 years later, we've made it. We're yeah. a metal hammer. Yeah. Finally. You know? <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah, but That's it was brilliant. interesting because the metal hammer story was mainly motivated by how I acquired some of the tapes for my show um, when I did the radio show back in the right. 90s. Because yeah. in addition to the crowdsourcing that I talked to you about when you know people would come to the studio... What I also did at that time was sneak into Syria to buy metal tapes there because at that time, metal wasn't banned in Syria. They banned it right. later, but at that time it wasn't banned. So what I used to do was go to Syria, buy as many tapes as I could and basically smuggle them back into Lebanon. And I yeah. would bribe the checkpoints so that they wouldn't search the taxi because you could just drive from Damascus to Beirut. Um, so I would take a taxi and hide the... Um, the tapes kind of underneath me somehow as I'm sitting in the taxi and bribe, guess with what? Not with money. Bribe with bread, the checkpoints, wow. the Syrian checkpoints. Because Syria at that time was that poor. Wow. That Lebanese bread. So we would buy bread from Lebanon, take it into Syria, use it as bribe to enter Syria and a bribe to come back. It was that destitute. Wow. And people wonder why, you know, a revolution happened in Syria in 2011. Well, because, you know, the country was socially and economically very very um uh, terrible yeah um anyway so so smuggling tapes was how i also got the show to kind of <laughs> get new material that's mad that's it was bad. absolutely mad. yeah so you must be responsible for i mean i i know i get a kick out of seeing online somebody saying like oh you know my first ever first ever metal gig was acid rain or you know the first metal album i ever bought was Boschenstein or something like that and, and to this day it gives me a real kick when you see that the amount of people that you must have introduced to to, to metal via your radio show and everything else i mean that's just yeah and especially getting all of that music across the border that nobody else could hear that no, yeah. i mean literally no you know no one else was willing to risk yeah. you know no one else was prepared to risk their bread yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, it was a risk because, you know, what if they decided that they didn't like the bread? <laughs> and then, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, but at the time, you know, we didn't care. I mean, the bands performed... So, on, was, it, so on, was it, was it, you were bribing them to get out? Was there no... In it, and out. Yeah, yeah, but what about, what about getting in to Lebanon? Didn't you have to go... Did yeah, you, 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 you'd bribe the Syrian checkpoints with bread. Yeah. Bribe the Lebanese ones with money. Ah, uh, right, now you say, yeah, 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 with <laughs> All right, okay. But yeah. Right, okay. So so yes, I was an international metal so, smuggler. Get it. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> using uh using the dough and <laughs> literally using the dough. and metaphorically. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, you got that waiting for me. Um that's amazing. That's absolutely brilliant. So um you started um when I mean you know you said you you know the the way the London metal scene has welcomed you and everything else. How how did that how has that come about? Is that that within the last sort of couple of years, longer than that? Was it? Did it start with, you know, when you became a band manager, as it were? Yeah, well, um, I started working with Blackium when I was still living in Lebanon. And then um, I left Lebanon to come back to London. And right. I came back to London in the autumn of 2015. 
Oh, and right, okay. So as soon as I came... As it's now known, yeah. the acid rain time of 2015. Oh, see, it was meant okay, to be. Yeah, absolutely. It was meant to be. Yeah, it was the golden time. The golden era. That's what we, that's what, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Yours and mine, totally. So so our stars aligned. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely, and, and, and the rest is history. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's, that's when I came back. And as I said, it was a case of talking to everybody who cared to listen or even didn't care to listen (laughs) and saying, you know, there's this band, there's a scene, Lebanon, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, luckily most people were interested and and people started introducing me to more and more people, which is lovely. I like this paying it forward kind of um, atmosphere, which sadly doesn't exist in Lebanon or in many places in the Middle East. Um, Sadly, it seems to me that the smaller the metal scene, the bigger the jealousy oh, and, the more, and the rivalry. The, the, and yeah, but that, that's, that's true of anywhere. That's true of the UK. You, yeah. go to, you go to a small town and you see a lot of small town attitudes and a lot of people, you know, uh, a lot, a lot, basically, um, you, you know, you do a gig and you just see all the, all the local musicians stood at the back, you know, with their arms folded, watch and, you know, just not getting it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, you get that. Yeah. You do, you do, you do get that. I always think it's the smaller the scene, you know, the more parochial it is. Yeah, absolutely, and and it's a shame because in the Middle East, this is also what's preventing the scene there from growing. People don't recognize that it's in their interest to collaborate and cooperate and work hey, we're, together. Hey, we're the biggest band in our town. You're the biggest band in your town. Why don't you come and play our town and we'll support you despite mm. the fact, or you support us because we're huge here. Yeah. And then we'll go to your town and we'll support you because you're huge there. And yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, it's how yeah, we're all going to work together. Yeah, so um, as I said, I personally try not to be involved in this kind of petty politics I am always happy to support bands, even if I don't manage them. So, for example, right now, there's a there's a band in Lebanon that I went to a festival with recently um, in Latvia. They're, they're called Chimera. They're one of the most professional bands in Lebanon. They're a really, really good band. And How's was... Chimera spelled? Because they're going to have some problems there. Oh, yeah, that's true. It's K-I-M-A-E-R-A. Right, okay. Yeah, I know. And uh, they're 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 wonderful guys, and uh, you know they're 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 just doing very well. They've come back after a period of inaction, um, and they deserve a lot of support. And so I'm happy to support them because I can see they're serious, they're professional, their music yeah. is good. I saw them perform live in Latvia; they did a great job. And so there's a lot of talent in Lebanon and elsewhere in the Middle East that people just don't know enough about outside. And so I'm, I always think that if you pay it forward, if you support those who are talented and hardworking and who don't have a sense of self-entitlement, because this is also sadly a problem with, with some of the bands, um, this is how the scene can grow, you know, as a community. Um, but again, you know, maybe it's a bit idealistic, but at least this is what I try to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, and, and it, idealistic, you've got to start out with ideals. You know, that's you've got to start. You've got to aim lofty. You know, aim high and hope that that's what you're going to achieve. Yeah. Um, and so, from a, a an online perspective, is is there a kind of like a uh, is is there a, a Lebanese metal website? You know, that people can go and visit. I mean, you know, do these bands have have websites or social media presence? Yeah, I mean, all all the bands I mentioned are are on Facebook, right. so you can find them there. The bands I mentioned are Chimera, as I said, uh, Chaotion, which is written K-A-O-T-E-O-N. 
and Nader Sadek, which is N-A-D-E-R-S-A-D-E-K. They're all on Facebook. Uh, they have YouTube channels, right, um, so okay. people can sh- check them out there. Um, in terms of metal blogs, etc., uh, there's a great one, but it's in Arabic called Metal is My Addiction. And in English, there is uh, a very nice one called labmetal.com right. um, and, and some others. Uh, so, you know, people try, but they're not as active as the ones you'd get, you know, in the West. Yeah. Um, but definitely the bands are, are very aware that because they come from this region in which uh, access is a big problem, the best thing they can do is be active online. Um, And they're trying to use that as a first step in order to get festival bookings in uh, in Europe and elsewhere. Right. Okay. so so basically that is kind of step one is is getting a getting a kind of online footprint and then then getting out of Lebanon. Yeah. Um, into as many festivals as possible. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, not everybody wants to live outside Lebanon, but they certainly want to perform outside Lebanon. They, they want to be with their peers. They yeah. want to be with all these bands that they look up to or that they like and have the same experience that, you know, all of us take for granted here in, in, in London, for yeah. example. And presumably you can't, I mean, well, you just, you, you can't be a metalhead full stop. So, yeah. It's, yeah. That's, that's, pretty scary so did, are they are, so you, the, the bands that you refer to are they full time have they all got working jobs you all know, of them right? have jobs right yeah as, yes. a, as, a, as a cover yeah well I mean as you know even in Europe it's yeah. very difficult for someone to just be a full time musician oh yeah uh, um, doesn't matter and, where you are in the world yeah it's, absolutely it's and uh, mm-hmm. you know Lebanon and the rest of the Middle East are, are, are no different um, so most musicians from the country have jobs these are so good you are now are... having a pistachio cookie from mm. brussels these are so good honestly. yeah because people will wonder what you're referring to when you're saying these are so good don't worry i was going to get there is he munching <laughs> on cds i don't know yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely amazing sorry guys but they are um well, next time we will um, invite your listeners to my living room. Just give me a bit of notice so I can get exactly. them off cookies. Exactly. There's even a black pearl drum kit. Oh yeah. Put in the corner of the uh, in the corner of the living room. Yeah, it's um, another thing that I do to awesome. keep me sane, which is uh, I'm a very terrible drummer, but I but I you know play in my so-called well, spare time. <laughs> so it keeps keeps you sane and keeps your neighbours awake. Um, uh, yeah, that's why um, it's a bit of a challenge because I can see all I can see like practice pads on everything. Yeah, yeah, they're like, silencer pads yeah. meant to muffle the sound a bit so that my neighbors don't kill me. Um, but yeah, I don't get to play as much as I would like to because I work very long hours, and by the time I get home, sometimes it's very late and yeah. too late to play drums, which is a bit annoying. Absolutely. Well, you know, we we've all got to make our sacrifices. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So when's your, so what's your um uh, what's your next metal event? Oh, I am going to Metal Days in a few days, um, which should be fun. Um, just hanging out really and and meeting people and and catching up with some friends who will be there from the scene. And after that, another festival, going to Brutal Assault. 
um, also same deal, etc., etc. So I tend to go. So you're, not, to you're not coming to Amplified then. Sadly, the first ever. I know. Sadly, I booked Metal Days before. Uh, yeah, absolutely, and I and I explained this to Gary, who's the amazing person who's behind Amplified, and I really wish him all the best of luck because it looks really amazing. It does, and it looks. It's. Um, I saw in a tweet today. It looks like um, VIP is about to sell out, which, which is, is great. Which yeah. is great. Yeah. I think again, anything we all can do as a community to support one another in this scene, we should do. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's a shame that I can't go to Amplified, but you know, I've, I've kind of posted about it on Facebook. I'm kind we'll, of spreading we'll the word. We'll send them your love. We'll send them your love. Especially that you're performing, Acid uh, Brain. Well, you know, that's, that's, <laughs> that's the way it goes. You've already booked Metal Days, I'll forgive you. Yes, um, what can I say? Maybe next year I'll go to Amplified. Yeah, well, we definitely won't be there, so um, enjoy that. <laughs> oh, well, I've already uh, seen you enough times. I, I know, think. yeah, I, I know. Yeah. And, and what about, um, uh, are, are you, you going to do any of the major, you know, are you going to do any of the uh, uh, bloodstocks or... Yeah, I always like? do. I always do. I mean, it's it's a ritual. <laughs> right, yeah. I think it's, uh, you know, if you're in the UK, um, there are certain things that are non-negotiable. <laughs> so do you, do you camp? Ah, uh, no, I yeah. don't camp. I don't camp at all. I'm a wimp like that. No, no, I no, like no. my clean hot showers. No, no, that's why man <laughs> invented houses. Yes. So we don't have to live outside like peasants anymore. Okay? <laughs> there's, there's, there's only one reason to camp, and that is you're locked out of your house, you've crashed your car in the middle of nowhere, and you're having to like put a tent up. You know, that's pretty much the only reason. Yeah, yeah except that most people I know I are believe. camping. I know, but I can't believe people who camp out of choice. You know, li- Ooh, li- it, live it like a primate out of choice. <laughs> it's just bizarre. It but, can be yeah. fun. I would only do it if I literally had no other choice. No, I, I disagree. It can be fun for one night only. And then, this, and then, the, and then that second day where you feel like you've been dug up. Because the night's sleep you had was horrendous. Yeah, you know, the only time I ever camped in my life was around 20 years ago in Lebanon with a bunch of metalheads. And we had a sign outside um, our tent that said the hard and heavy tent. And um, it was... Did people get the wrong idea? (laughs) But it was funny. And the thing is, it was the middle of summer and Lebanon normally is very hot in, in, in the summer. But we were in the mountains and it was freezing in the evening. So there is this photo of me with the guys literally wearing all our clothes as layers and looking huge, you know, (laughs) because it was so cold. And that experience was so bad that I'm like, I am not camping again. So that's why I don't camp. But I'd like to point out that that you've lived through through 20 years of civil war, lived through bombs landing, bullets (laughs) flying around your head, and you're still not going to camp. Well, you see, yeah, maybe, like, yeah, maybe that's in my subconscious. That, yeah, okay. maybe. Maybe because I've camped out enough in shelters. Because yeah. I spent, you know, significant um, periods of time underground, um, yeah. in underground shelters during the Civil War, you know. Yeah. Um, sleeping on the, the floor. On a, yeah, literally, exactly. Um, and this is kind of an interesting thing. One of the shelters that we used to go to was being rented out by its owner as a warehouse and transformed into a shoe factory. So you can imagine, you're being bombed 
and you have to go down to this shelter that is full of rows and rows of shoes yeah. in various stages of readiness. Yeah. And no wonder now I have, you know, an obsession with shoes. I think it's, yeah. a, it's a childhood thing, you know. I was a tiny kid surrounded by rows and rows of shoes. Brilliant. Yeah. Just take as many pairs as you so can. You just had to hide in between all those shoes. Wow. <laughs> That's mad. So, That's yeah, so, so mad. I think I've done enough camping between quotation marks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I think you're taking the, uh, the, the camping thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, look, it's been absolutely wonderful. Um, fantastic hospitality with your delicious pistachio cookies. Um, and um, look, I'm, I'm sure people will be listening thinking, wow. You know, that's that's um, so different to my life, so different to the way I discovered metal and all the rest of it. Um, and yeah, and look, on behalf of on behalf of the, the metal scene in the UK, um, you know, you deserve a lot of thanks for all of the work that you've done, you know, bringing bands through and helping them and, and just getting the word out there. Um, so thank you very much. Well, and, thank um, you. It's you know. been a lot of fun um, hanging out in my living room and feeding you cookies. <laughs> we'll, we'll do it again sometime. Thank you. Thank you very much, Lena. And there you have it. That was my um, uh, my uh, lovely afternoon with Lena. Um, and it was. It was really cool. Fascinating, fascinating stories. Um, absolutely fascinating. You can find her on um, find her on Facebook. Um, and uh, she's just announced um, her... Uh, uh, earlier this week, uh, she's at Metal Days at the moment, actually. But she just announced earlier this um, this week those um, hookups with those bands. So um, do uh, do find her and um, and give her some support. Um, so we are coming towards the end of the podcast, and I have to make a comment on the first few tour dates that have been announced for Ronnie Dio's Hologram. That's right, this shit is really happening. I cannot believe. Well, can I? I you know, never say never. I shouldn't be surprised by anything, really. Um, I just think it's it's just in such bad taste. It really is. It makes absolutely no. Well, I suppose it knows it. Oh, it all comes to money, doesn't it? It all comes down to money. Yeah, let's just fuck it. It doesn't matter. No, there's nothing sacred. We it, if it makes a few quid, um, then we'll do it. And I just it, yeah, it just. I don't know. I'm not even angry about it. I'm just, you know, it's the old, it's that old thing, isn't it? I'm not, I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed, and I am. It's, it's just. I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm sat here trying. I'm sat here trying to. I don't know. Trying to make sense of it. Trying to be angry about it. I can't be. It's, it's just. It's depressing. Is what it is. It really, really is. Um, who thinks? I just, I, who thinks that's a good idea? I really, it just beggars belief. And I, and it's, it, it, you know, people are going to buy tickets and they're going to go and watch it. You know, and I just think, well, I, I don't know, it's not up to me, is it? It's not, it's not up to me to, yes, it should be banned, it shouldn't be allowed. I guess, you know, it's like everything else. I, ju- I just think it's a horrible, horrible idea. Um, and and it, it's it's kind of like the um, I don't know it's kind of like a, um, a pr- I just hope this isn't going to be the first in a long list. I just hope that we're not going to see this and go like right okay now we're going to have um, uh, now we're going to have you know Elvis. Well, I couldn't give a shit about that, but about Elvis. But yeah, we'll have fucking Soundgarden touring with Chris Cornell, Linkin Park touring with um, with Chester Bennington. Hmm? Too soon. 
Too soon, is it? I mean, people would say, that's fucking outrageous. Really? Well, let's wait a few years. That could be happening. That seriously could be happening. So, I I don't know. It, it, it's, it, it's a new era of just shit, of absolute bollocks. It really is. Ah, I don't know. And then, um, and, and we've got Nine Inch Nails are coming out with some new material. Uh, yes, that's right. I did just completely switch topic. Nine Inch Nails are coming out with some new material. They are ploughing this EP furrow. They are just, um, you know, they're continuing to do it. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, uh, this, is a, this is kind of like a, this is a, a sort of, um, low energy end of the podcast really isn't it I, i'm 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 not really gonna come i'm, I'm never gonna be able to top that um that facebook rant at the beginning um i i really it really don't know where that came from that came from that came from down in my boots and um and i i, I don't know that must that must have been on my mind it must have been and i just ended up getting there and and that was that um so anyway um, what can I say, guys? Um, it's an absolute pleasure, as always. It really is an absolute pleasure. Um, I do look forward to doing this. Oh, I've got to let you know as well. Next episode, um, there may be a special coming out. There may not. But I did the longest podcast interview yet, which was one hour, 50 minutes, with a... Le- and at that point, my... F- fucking program froze um so sorry about that um and and do you know what i thought hey legendary I, I, i keep teasing you all it's james murphy okay um spent a good one hour 50 minutes chatting with james murphy a a fascinating guy played in death played in obituary played on two all-time legendary death metal albums in the space of a year in different bands um and then ended up in testament as well and was awesome and his story is unbelievable it's absolutely fascinating um you've got you you will get all of the all of the 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 metal stuff all of the stuff that you want to hear you will get that but the first sort of forty-five minutes is is all is, is a cross between politics and the story of his um, his brain tumor, um, which you know everybody thought he was a drug addict. Basically, um, uh, that's even why he ended up getting boot, getting booted out of Testament as well. So anyway, that's fascinating. Now, I'm not sure if that's going to be next month's podcast or whether it's going to be a special in between. It depends on whether a few other things come in or not. Um, I've tried four times to um, to interview uh, somebody, and um, and it, it, it's just not worked out. So I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to get them uh, get them on the cast. And then and and then there's people like Phil, where that was set up literally about you know it was it was set up on the um, it was set up on the Tuesday. I interviewed him on the Wednesday. Here I am doing the podcast on the Thursday, and sometimes that you know that's very rare. That's not that's not the usual. But um, yeah, this has just gone. It's just worked out really easy, and and James was really easy to get hold of. Um, invariably, it's it's when bands are pushing something that they're harder to get hold of, um, which is kind of odd, really, if you think about it. Um, but it does all work out. It will. It will all work out in the end. I'm sure it will. Um, so anyway, guys, look, it's 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 been an absolute pleasure. Um, there's all sorts of stuff. Oh, we we by the way, we we played a festival um, last Friday. That was rather interesting. Um, we ended up playing in the bar because the stages got uh, closed because of um, just 
biblical rain. Um, and we had a lady, we, I'd been talking to her and we planned this, and um, she, uh, she asked her long-term boyfriend um, to marry her during our set. And he said, yes, how cool is that? So it's uh, yeah, that's that's, that's another um, that's another uh, uh, career high that I can tick off. Um, having a couple, um, well, having somebody doing a, a marriage proposal during the show that is awesome. Um, and on the subject of festivals, you know, they're, they're either your thing or they're not. But I remember talking to this this person who was going on about, oh god, I can't believe it. You know, oh, close because of the weather. It's like, yeah, hello. Rain and electricity, water and like what's the fuck? Oh, but surely they could have put the stages up at a certain angle, meaning that it's like no, this happens all the time. And of course, fucking Metal Days, a much bigger festival than Amplified. We were playing the first ever Amplified festival. Metal Days has had to shut stages in Slovenia because of because of rain. I think there's you know people get it in their fucking heads that it's like oh surely there must be no no shut the fuck up. We can't control the weather. That's it. That's as simple as that. There's no such thing as a waterproof outdoor stage. It happens all the time. Festivals around the world, all the time, are closed due to bad weather. And that can be bad weather for the bands, a danger there. But it can also be to protect the crowd as well. If you've got light, if you've got lightning, especially, you need to get people out of there. Simple as that. Jesus, if they stop golf matches because of um, storms then I think we can stop fucking festivals, all right? That's just a few, that's just a few sad middle-aged bastards walking around in hilarious trousers. That's all that is, okay? We're talking like thousands and thousands of people out in fields need to be protected from being struck by lightning. I personally think it's a good idea. Now, I'm not a world's biggest fan of health and safety, but I am the world's biggest fan of not dying. Big fan of that. And, uh, and yeah, so we ended up playing the bar. I'm all over the I'm all over the map here. I'm well aware of that. So you know, hang in there. Um, so we had to put a barrier in um, in the bar, um, and um, and you know, fuck it, we, we we got up and running. We were playing again, and uh, it was an awesome show. Really enjoyed it. Um, we had a yeah, it was just great fun. It really was. Um, everybody pulled together. Um, and made it happen and make it work and that's what you got to do in those situations make it happen and make it work for everybody now some bands were moaning some bands fucked off home um, now you can get caught up in the moment you can get caught up in all of the oh fucking hell blah blah blah, blah. but what you have to remember is People have paid money to see you. It's not about you as an artist. It's not about you as a band member or a, or, or a comedian or whatever. It's not about you. It's about the audience. And if there's any fucking way possible at all that you can get a show on, you get the show on. I know it's the, oh, the show must go on. It's, it might be cheesy. It might be corny, but it's true. And, okay, there are there's exceptions to every rule. I will not do comedy to less than 20 people because comedy doesn't work to that many people. Yeah, if you think about it, you can watch the funniest film in the world, but if you're watching it on your own, you don't laugh. You don't. Or you, it, it just doesn't happen. Comedy is a, is a gang sport, all right? And, and you need laughter. And the smaller amount of people there are there, the less likely people are to laugh because they don't want to draw attention to themselves because if they laugh and nobody else laughs, they'll draw... It, it, that's just simply how it works. Comedy is different. Music... I don't care how many people are there, I'm going out and, and I'm playing and I'm giving my absolute all. Because however few or however many, whether you've got, you know, five, fifty, five hundred, five thousand, they've paid. They've paid. And 
it just makes no sense to deliver anything other than a full-on fucking show, a full-on experience. Um, and it, that's as simple as it. That's as simple as that. So anyway, look, there you go. There's my. Um, that's that's me being unusually positive, isn't it? That's, normally, I'm um, I'm Mister Slag everything off. Um, or at least that's that's how it seems to be. Um, right, look, guys, um, I'm going to go because I've got fucking shit to do, like find a job. Um, so, yeah, anybody anybody got any work, um, hit me up on um, on Twitter or on Facebook. And, um, yeah, uh, hopefully I'll be here next I will be here next month. Anyway, look, wherever you are, I really do appreciate you listening. I certainly appreciate you listening this far. Um, but every single one of you, it is a, it's, a, it, it's a pleasure to be in your ears. It always is. It always will be. I hope we can get the, keep this going for centuries. I really do. What centuries? Don't be stupid, Howard. You fucking cock. You're gonna die. Just face it. Face face reality. Um, but look, I want to keep this going as long as possible. I, I could. I suppose I could hand the talking bollocks brand over to somebody else to continue. And now I'm sounding like fucking Gene Simmons, who's who says that it, the band could keep going and with different people playing them. I, honestly. It's worrying the amount of times recently that I've ended up saying something and thinking, shit, I hear those words come out of my mouth and think, no, you sound like Gene Simmons. You're a cunt. Oh, dear. There you go. You had to wait all that time for a cunt bomb. <laughs> see what I did there? Not C-bomb. No, no, not C-bomb. Cunt bomb. Anyway, I was trying to, I, I was trying to say goodbye. I was trying to thank you all. And uh, I really do mean it. Thank you very much. Please spread the word as much as you can. Spread the word as much as you can about the podcast. Um, for those of you missing Dan, I will probably get him on the next one uh, just to see how things are panning out, um, and also to give his um, to give his um, oh, it? to give his his event a bit of a plug because I'm not going to be able to do that now because I've now got booked up doing comedy. But anyway. It's been a pleasure, always a pleasure, never a chore. Please spread the word. Hope you've enjoyed the episode. If you did, great. If you didn't, nothing I can do about that. Sorry. See you next month. I won't see you next month. I'll speak to you next month. And let me know your thoughts and feelings as you always do, guys. Thanks a lot. Speak soon. Bye-bye.